0: That's nice. Can you get this, please? This I week, can't right now. You're on air, Dwayne. This week we bid a fond farewell to Dr. <laughs> ben Carson, who suspended his campaign this week. Goodbye, Ben Carson. We barely knew you were here. Ben Carson.
1: No one is willing to stand up for what's right. Anymore. Ben Carson's America. With Dr. Carson, ben Carson's it would be like a
2: utopia. He would bring back prosperity self respect. Ben Carson. We'll be Know. Eating breakfast is like slavery Skateboarding is like slavery Evolution is like slavery Taco Bell is just like slavery Video games are just like slavery Going on vacation is like slavery Working this job is just like slavery boarding tiles is like slavery it's like slavery, slavery. Being gay is just like slavery. your is just like slavery. is just like slavery. Attacking mama, slavery. Of is slavery.
1: Dr. Carter is just the man to perform bang the procedure. He's going to put the U back in utopia.
0: All righty. Welcome to the Ignorance Equation. I am your benevolent host, Nick, the saucy one cat Saurus, humble servant of the people. And as always, I am broadcasting to you live from the land of meth and honey, Caraville, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my super bad, my super fly, my superstar producer, the super girl to my Reactron, the super conductor to my non-reactive electrons, the super Mario Brothers to my King Bowser Koopa, D the Maven domestic.
3: Wow, that's a lot of supers. Being super just like slavery. <laughs> it, is, it is my thing. and you know
0: usually um one of the advices that i've got one of the feedback i got is don't play the whole song play a few seconds and then fade out but um, i was playing this song i was looking for a song for today's show and my 10 year old walked in and she just started cracking up and she was like what's wrong with this guy and i was like oh, <laughs> you're gonna learn all right i also want to introduce a John Lear superfan with a super ego who eats super deluxe burgers while dreaming about supermodels in his super bleach bath. Dwayne the Super Badger. Hello,
1: don't sir. Don't forget
0: you all. Don't
2: forget also ride a super bike.
1: A sport yes, bike it's a super, super bike. <coughs> <It's by laughs>
0: okay, right on. Yamaha, and finally. Baby a girl who spent her Super Tuesday kicking superior super knowledge to the super apathetic masses across the super
4: highway, Fern Thompson. Oh, hey, guys. I was in super Twitter mode, man. I I don't get on Twitter very much, but when I do, I I tend to blow it up. Normally it's about football, but this debate was just, uh, ah,
0: yeah. you know I'm, I'm what sure we'll get into it, that. But. Twitter's like slavery.
4: Twitter like, sure, like slavery. I think yeah, everything's like slavery friendly. at this point. Yes, yeah. we're slaves to our phones. We're slaves to our Facebook. We're slaves to our computers. Yeah, it's we we're all just mindless sheeple walking through, and that's what we do is inform the masses and create freedom. We
0: are. Freedom. We are yeah. creating freedom juice here on the ignorance equation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We are going to talk about Super Tuesday. Um, I started promoting the show midweek, and as some people who are fans of the show saw it and were probably like, what up with that? You've been saying we're going to have a show on child support. So to be fair, let me tell the fans what happened. I had been talking with this lawyer. Um, his first name's Steven. Let's just call him Steven. And we had been talking for a while. I sent him a message last year. He got back with me a couple months later because he's busy as lawyers are. And he was like, "I'd love to do the show. This isn't exactly in my wheelhouse, but we are a child—you know—we are a child advocate office, so I'll be able to speak on it." And I was like, "All right, cool." And he said, "There's other people who focus particularly on this, but I could speak to it." I looked him up um, last week, the end of last week. He is a child advocate, but he's for child genital mutilation. He fights mainly for parents who have a problem, who are split up, and they don't want the kid to get. Um, Circumcised, circumcised and I and yeah. I was like you know are you is this gonna be in your wheelhouse at all and he referred me to another guy but by then you know in the same law office it was midweek he wrote me back and was like well I don't really have enough time to prepare for this since it's in three or four days so we have you know, tabled it for a couple months until after a hundredth episode I've been wanting to talk about child support for so long to tell the story of what happened to me here in Tennessee Maybe this is the universe's way of saying if you go public with all the fucked up stuff that happened to you with child support, maybe it's going to cause more headaches than it's worth. Because we've been trying to do this show for a couple of years now, right? Right, Dwayne? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I have a couple, I have, well, I have a personal story too, but maybe we should talk about uh, circumcision instead.
0: Circumcision. Yeah.
1: <laughs> slavery. <laughs> we should
0: have a circumcision. Circumcision is so, like slavery. All righty. So today, who do we have coming on the show and in upcoming shows leading up to the Big 100, which is coming up April 24th?
3: All right. Well, uh, coming in in just a bit will be comedian Jim Bruce. Um, he's going to join us on our panel today, and that's going to be lots of fun. Then today on Kettlefish, I highly encourage everyone to stick around as we will have comedian Caleb Simon back. Um, this Wednesday, we've got James Miradinos from SLC Punk 2. Then we've got Corey Clark from Warrior Soul coming back. He's going to be on the Ignorance equation talking politics. We're going to have comedian Heidi Heaslet back. We're going to have comedian Hakeem Combs, uh, Brandy Posey, another comedian. Um, Alex White from White Mystery is going to come back. Actually, the day before she goes on Jimmy Kimmel, right? So that's, that's, that's going to be cool. I
0: don't know. Carson have, She'll
3: sorry, be on Carson, Carson the
0: 31st. She'll be on a musical out yeah. the 30th.
3: Yeah, wrong guy. They they're always the same. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, then we have comedian Rebecca Reeves. Uh, she's gonna join us for a weekend. Our buddy Rob is coming back to play trivia. Then we're gonna have Momo which is the craziest name I've ever heard in my life. Uh, we're gonna have uh that him them on uh ben Stewart his song hammer, is gonna come back and play trivia. Chris Mohan, the comedian, is going to join us. Um, We've got actor Sean Whalen, which I just about guarantee that everybody's seen him in something, because he's in, like, everything. Um, We're going to have the super cool upcycled magician, Steve Trash, who's going to be on. Um, We've got Christine Barter coming up. Um, And then our 100th episode. Our 100th episode is going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome, and you're going to love it. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You're going to love it. to, to, yes.
0: well, to keep everyone out.
3: That's right. That's
2: right. It sounds like having one there. You know what I'm talking about? Where she got excited.
3: Wow. But we are going to have John Lear. We're going to have uh, Rachelle from King of the Nerds. We're going to have William Sanderson. We're going to have... Who el- Who aren't we going to have? Um, we all...
0: Oh. Launching our big Lipson site, which we're going to get on to Spotify. We just kettle a fish to start with. Um, we're going to send out a mm-hmm. prize pack. John Lear sending stuff in for the prize pack. Liz Mealy. Um, Matt Guyler. uh William Sanderson. Mm-hmm. His, uh, wife, I talked to her. He's going to send an autographed picture. And we're going to have a bunch nice. of fish related. We're going to send out a big kettle of fish prizes and a big kettle to the winner. Yes. And we're going to launch this and we'll announce the winner on the 100th episode.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's going to be awesome.
0: You're going to love it. Uh, it's going to be great. Let's hit our first story. So, Texas, as everybody knows, has started, they have passed open gun legislation, open carry, and the public colleges have to comply with this. Any college that's getting public funding has to allow their students, under penalty of law, to open carry in the classroom. The private colleges have a little bit more leeway. However, if the private colleges decide that they want to do it, their teachers their, – and this is what's kind of messed up to me. The teachers could say, hey, you can't bring your tuna fish sandwich in here, but I have no say so if you bring a gun in here. Now, as somebody who has a political science degree and was in a lot of political science classes, I could tell you – and I said this a year ago before this even became an issue – I said, you know, what happens when you're in a political science class and things get heated as they often have when I was in class – And somebody starts yelling at someone else, and they pull their gun out and shoot them because that guy has a gun. You have a gun. Stay on that ground. I don't know if this angry guy is going to shoot me. And so the the universities in Texas now are sending out memos to the professors, and they're saying, hey, look, because there is the um, propensity to have school shootings go up, people in class shooting each other because they get angry in everyone's arms. And these are people who are barely out of teenage mode. Some of them may even be 19, 20. You know, know, their their emotions are volatile, and somebody could end up pulling out a gun just pissed off and hotheaded. Here is what you want to do. Be careful discussing sensitive topics. This is the curriculum that was sent out. Drop certain topics from your curriculum. Not go there if you sense anger. So if you're talking about something, you feel like things are getting heated, cut off the conversation, and limit student access off hours because you don't want to give someone a D and they come in with a gun pissed off. And to me, this is taking away freedom of speech. And one of the points that were made – by university was, look, it's in our Texas charter, in our Texas constitution, that the colleges have to give the most free, open education possible. Not free monetary, but the most free freedom of speech, open education possible. And this is limiting our freedom of speech because if things get heated, if we're talking about slavery or the Civil War, the Confederate flag or whatever, or even um, women's rights, whatever, wherever things get heated in class – somebody might pull their gun off, pissed off. And while they might not use it, while they might just be like, I got my gun, somebody else might shoot them because we're in a heightened sense of fear. Uh, Everybody's afraid. Dwayne, you're going to to you first. (laughs) Should the university (laughs) send out this criteria or do we have to wait for a few people to pull their guns out? Should people have guns in an environment that gets very, very heated?
2: Well, first of all, Texas, like, I believe, I believe Texas, like every other state, you have to be 21 to own a handgun, or you have to be 21 to own a handgun and carry it concealed. You concealed carry permit. Which so most not going to be like 21. What's that?
0: College students are over 21. At least 80 percent. Most people don't go straight right. out of high school. To- but
2: so it's not like seventeen, eighteen-year-olds are carrying the guns. And and, and number two, the, the the
0: percentages of concealed well, let me carry stop right permit now, is a twenty-one-year-old today as emotionally mature as a twenty-one-year-old when we were kids? Because I would say a twenty-one-year-old today is a sixteen-year-old from twenty or thirty years ago.
2: Well, I, I would yeah. agree with that. But I would. But I'm, what I'm the point of the thing is the percentages of concealed carry permit holders who actually commit violent crimes. Is unbelievably low. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of times. It's mostly domestic violence where you have like, it's the old carry holder who may, you know, shoot a partner or whatever like that. But in general, most concealed carry people, they have to go through an extra background check to get the concealed carry permit. In a lot of states you have to go through training, and and a lot. And
0: the people who carry concealed are not the threat. It's the knuckleheads who not come talking- around. Okay. We're talking a heated argument that escalates to a point of carry.
2: And and, and what I'm saying is most concealed carry people are are a a majority. I mean, get into arguments every day. I get into road rage. I get get mad at people. I get pissed off. I see people do crazy things. I see people do stupid things. I'm not running around with my gun. You're not 21 years old
0: who've been up all
2: night. Even when I was. Well, even when I was. And what I'm saying is, I don't think most concealed carry permit holders are gonna just pull out their gun if they get into a heated argument. That now the guy who's carrying gun illegally, yes, I would. That's the person I would do, but not. But everybody's a criminal
0: until they're not, right? I mean, everybody's not a criminal until they are, right? I mean, in other words, the argument is always. Well, the, you know, the criminals are the only ones that are going to shoot someone illegally. But you could be a responsible gun owner for twenty years, get drunk one night and shoot someone, and then you become a criminal. So the point is, is should we have guns in the classrooms, particularly? Yes. Okay, okay. Because I remember when I brought this up like a year ago, you said, "Well, I can see your point about a political science class and everybody being armed." Uh, now, you're kind well, of well that
2: was decision. because that was a different that was di- that was that was that was everybody being armed not concealed care and we're talking now today about concealed carry permit holders who if if you know ha- pass a background check an extra background check and whatnot if you're just giving guns willy-nilly to everybody saying hand them out the door as you come in here's your gun here's your gun here's your gun that's one thing but a concealed carry permit holder who goes the extra step through the extra background check those people normally are not the ones shooting other people just over an argument or a road okay, rage
0: so let's get back to the original question should the colleges be sending this out to their professors and does no. this whether, whether you believe it this or not does this inhibit freedom of speech when professors whether their fear is justified or not says i'm not going to talk about these subjects because now you know 10 out of the 30 kids in this classroom are armed and i don't want to piss anybody off and have a conflict
2: you could have kids, you could be in high, I've seen videos of kids in high school where a teacher talks about something and a kid comes running up at the teacher with a, with a pencil, a sharpened pencil.
0: Right, and, and that is really uh, the of a speech as well. Once again, you can't justify bad behavior over here to say there's bad behavior over on this other side of the fence.
2: It's all about the fear, keeping the fear factor up. You've got to use fear to manipulate the voters, to manipulate our laws. And yes, yeah, it is uh, restricting freedom of speech. And it's just this college being... That's
0: what I feel. Until there's a couple shootings, right? Let me pass it over to Fern. Bit, just like there was
2: supposed to be shootings when Texas went to open carry everywhere. And there was going to be all these shootings. It's been, what, six months now and there hasn't been one?
0: So, oh, Because most people in um, Texas either have Ebola or they've been put into FEMA camps by the Jade Helm Army.
2: Well, Jade Helm is... You know, it's on Jade Helm, it has to be true.
0: Yeah. Okay,
4: Fern... All right, so I just looked up the uh, gun laws in Texas on gunlaws.com backslash state gun laws, Texas gun laws. You guys listening at home can look it up if you'd like. And um, basically it says that Texas is one of the six states that prohibit open carry. Um, Obviously that's been changed. The only real restriction concerning firearms with Texas was that. um, They've since changed that. But you can actually buy at 18 for open carry, but if you had a concealed carry then you had to be at least 21, you had to go through a, a handgun proficiency test, you had to have two passport color photographs, uh, complete applications, background check, all sorts of stuff. So you could actually open carry at 18 and conceal carry at 21. That's first of all. Well, oh, yeah, I, wasn't sure on,
2: I wasn't sure on that. Thanks, it is I I At, eight, at 18,
4: now that it's completely open carry... At 18, you can purchase a weapon. Not only that, as a minor, you can purchase a weapon as a minor in Texas as long as you have written consent from your parents. So well, this, wait, is, this is another interesting thing.
0: to the next thing. I'm 18. I could buy a gun, walk around with it, wave it in your face, ha-ha, I have a gun. But I have to go through all these hoops if I want to conceal a gun. I don't understand no, and why. And, I, and wait no, three no, years.
2: You can't do that. You cannot just... If I go out... Open carry state, close, concealed uh, carry state, and I go out and I wave my gun.
1: That I, I was being,
0: my... I was being emphatic. What I'm saying is, how can I carry? How can I carry, let's say, an AR-15 around my chest at 18, and not have to have any kind of restriction, training, go through any process? But if I want to carry concealed, now all of a sudden yeah. it ups the ante of how much I need to do to get that gun. Why is it easier? It seems like it should be the opposite. It seems like it should be harder to open right. carry than concealed carry. I don't understand why it's harder to conceal Because open
2: carry, carry. you don't know. You, open carry, the gun out. You're not. You, you, the, the, the way to open carry is you don't have. You're not in a ready position. You don't have your hand on the stock and near the trigger. You're not holding it like you're playing Call of Duty. It's either going to be on a. a it's going to be held in a, a non. A threatening position or normally on a sling around your back, a pistol will be in a holster on your side where everybody can see it. The reason for the concealed carry mainly was for law enforcement because that way cops know who had a gun and who doesn't. Because it's easy to hold a gun in your pocket, have it and just have your hand on the trigger and point it at anybody. Concealed carry is more of a threat because you don't know if that person is pointing a gun at you at any given time. If they're open carry and it's in a holster in a safe position, with a strap-on, whatever, you know that person has a gun, it's not pointed at you, it's not a threat. Whereas I could have a gun in my pocket at any point in time, and have pointed at you, and you not even know it. That's why there's... Well, well I, me, I an agree open carry,
4: with that. an open carry holster and brandishing a weapon is almost... It's almost the same. I mean, you brandish your weapon, obviously it's unholstered. Negative. I don't know Negative. the legality of that. But here's the problem I have. If we're now open carry throughout Texas, and you have 18-year-olds who are going into college, who are attending frat parties, who are doing, you know, dropping X or angel dust or whatever it is that they're doing, I mean, drugs run rampant on campuses, and all you need is some guy hopped up on whiskey and PCP to go out and just annihilate people. This is not even the free speech issue, just the safety issue of people getting out of their minds and partying. This is them stepping out into their own, starting their new life, gaining a sense of freedom that they've never had, and most people go bananas with it. It's a scary thought.
2: All my friends had concealed carry. I got my concealed carry permit before I had my first drink at 21. I used to go to parties get drunk, have my gun with me. Most of the time, I leave in the car if I go to the party. A lot of times, I keep it on me, but I won't drink that much. My other friends, all most of the friends I hung with, all were going to be police officers or work the security or, or, or whatever – some of them weren't. They just had their concealed carry. And guess what? Not one of us got shot. Not one of us who were going to say, hey, People look at this. weren't doing Let's mass Russia shootings.
0: Russia. We have a lot more unstable people now, way, and You're talking about 20 had years ago. We mass shootings ago. in the
2: early 90s. Columbine. Not like we, we had- have now.
0: Not on a daily basis, almost, and people are not. So you're saying people were just as out of their mind and overly medicated in the 90s as they are today?
2: I would say I would they're just as out of their mind. We just don't have, we didn't have the social media back then to have it put in flash in front of our faces everywhere. People were just out of their mind in the 1800s. They were crazy people. I mean, it's just they didn't have a way to, to spread it like we do now. I mean, in, in front
0: of so you to say that we had 300 weapons, mass shootings a year. In the nineties, I'm just not buying it. But, That's not but, factual but like for, information. Preferring
2: for to say, preferring to say that brandishing is the same as having a gun in a whole I didn't say that. With a strap. You said
4: to you. I said you it's, it's just used. as much of a threat. It is different, but it is still threatening. It's
0: not. A I threat. mean, it really
4: is. No it's somebody's screaming at
0: you though. Holding a gun, you and you're a scared eighteen, nineteen year old girl who's been sheltered her whole life. You come from yes. Oakdale, Oak, Arkansas. And you go to the big city in Chicago, and all of a sudden there's a guy screaming at you, and he happens to be holding a gun because it's open carry in that college. Or let's say Dallas, because this is where it's happening. I was going to say, not Chicago. Facts. You
2: can't even get a right, right. Chicago. Let yeah. Keep,
0: yeah, let me keep it factual. And he's screaming, and that girl happens to have a gun in her purse. She's going to probably shoot that guy because
1: she's going be legal. And she's legal. Exactly.
2: Flailing a gun, if he's flailing a gun, at that point, that man is a threat. I don't care. That is a Now, what gun,
0: happens is, is, the is she getting... shoots a gun, and then someone shoots her because they're like, oh, my God, she doesn't know what she's doing. And you just have 10 dead students, and all of a sudden it's like, well, nobody's
1: responsible.
0: We, we okay, like I said, no Texas, had,
2: Texas has had open carry now for six months. And where are all these mass shootings? Where are they? South Dakota has open carry. They've had it for years. They've had it for years. And when we first moved and there, society I was
0: surprised first. is a polite society, like you always say. Well, when we
2: first moved to South Dakota, it's I, in I the people walking corporate. to Walmart. It means not pictures. see a picture. Nobody got in- shot. It's
0: inhibiting here You're breaking freedom. up really bad, Nick. You're breaking
2: up really bad. I'm sorry for talking over you, but you're breaking up really, really bad.
0: Okay, how do I sound now? Better. Sorry, hmm? I
2: didn't even talk over you. You just I didn't even hear you after the time. I'm sorry. I I apologize.
0: Okay, so here's a point I'm trying to make. If you have this inhibiting freedom of speech, and you always make the point, an armed society is a polite society. And Correct. you're right, the polite society because you're inhibiting freedom of speech. You can't have – people can't have it both ways. People can't go down this Donald Trump road where I should be able to cuss anybody else. Oh, my waitress um, brought me the wrong soda. I wanted Coke and not Diet Coke. F- screw you, whore, die. And then say everybody needs to be armed and have open carry. You're good. That's a recipe for disaster. Either we're going to be a polite no, it's not. armed. Oh really? Everybody's going to be at bars screaming at each other with guns, and no one's going to get shot. First of all, most states,
2: most states. I, I think there's only one now that allows uh, you to carry a gun into a bar, and that's only. in that allows
0: open carry at bar. If so you're in
2: a bar with your gun and you're drinking. You automatically lose your permit. You lose your right to carry a handgun. There are laws against it and and there still are not you do not see mass shootings in bars. You don't see like I said, South Dakota, open carry, been like that for years. We walked into Walmart, there's people with holsters on their side. People weren't running and hiding behind the cash registers. It was just normal. Nobody got shot. In South Dakota, everyone
0: more polite like the saying goes but when you're polite you're not exercising your total freedom of speech But Bullshit. Let's get back. Bullshit. People you guys are know total- you're both
4: right right you guys know you're both correct in a situation like Texas, what you're going to have is you're going to have people from Texas who are used to having firearms, who have been taught what to do with firearms. I grew up in Maine. My parents taught me how to shoot. I've shot. But I can't even list the number of weapons I used to go target practicing. Went hunting with my father. Did a safety course when I was 12. They brought me up right. And in a lot of those areas where weapons are, you know, a part of everyday life, those people are responsible. It's not those people that I worry about. It's like Nick said, somebody who comes from Arkansas who's never Never handled a weapon and now this girl is is looking at this college going I either have to pick another college or I need to get a firearm to protect myself because everybody else around me is, is protected and not having the safety guidelines and the responsibility that some of these other kids have. It's throwing them in the mix which is why I don't like this whole university situation. It's different if a business says, hey, like in Virginia Beach hey, we'll give you a 10% discount if you bring in your weapon. That's their choice. But when you talk about a public setting like that, when you're throwing throwing a bunch of people into a melting pot and young people where drugs and alcohol are involved or can be involved and then starting to curb what the teachers can do, this is not a good situation. It's not a Second Amendment right at this point. It's avoiding a potentially hazardous situation. And not also that,
0: once again, my big problem with it is right or wrong, People are gonna do what they have to do to feel safe Dwayne. They're gonna do what they they're gonna do what they perceive is gonna give them the most safety. Now whether that's justified or not, we could do a two a whole two hour show on that. The point is is they feel what will make them more safe is to inhibit freedom of speech. Hey, don't talk about this thing that might anger people because everybody's carrying guns now. And that's where I had the problem. Now if it, now what would be the problem if students couldn't bring guns into the classroom and just the teachers were armed? Well, what would be the problem with that? Do all the students have to be armed because, hey, everybody has to have guns? If if three people walk in a classroom shooting, we need 30 people to have guns to stop them? I mean, this is creating an atmosphere where everybody's too afraid to talk to each other. And I've been in political science classes, and I know how heated it gets. And I'm telling you, there would have been somebody pulling a gun out pissed off in, in the classes that I was in. It got to yelling matches. I mean, tensions are high.
2: I've gotten into yelling matches, and and like I said, I've lived in South Dakota where almost everybody has guns. I've seen people arguing. I've seen people fighting. I've gotten into arguing and yelling matches with people carrying my gun, and I've never pulled it in anger. I only will pull it if I am in a life Well, then they'll never be issued, ever,
0: because you I'm
2: saying that's how a majority – and if you look at the statistics, majority of major, majority of crimes are not committed by concealed carry permit holders. Both of them have a degree of self-awareness and self-restraint that, hey, I'm not going to pull my okay. gun just because I'm yelling at someone. Fair enough. No, no,
0: how, how do you convince the universities of that so they're not inhibiting freedom of
2: universities speech? Universities mostly are all liberal now, and they're terrible. Uh, they're, case in point, in most educational institutions – a boy chews his pop tart in the shape of a gun and he gets suspended or expelled. I forget what it was. It's just there. It's more fear mongering, more liberal bias in our in our educational system. They're terrified of something they don't know about or don't have any
0: clue about. But that's about. the human just... condition. Let me take this call from Joe. Joe, thanks for calling into the show. We got about two minutes on this topic, so let us have it. What do you think? Okay.
5: If you still uh, want to talk about gun control, I'm in favor of not having gun control. Uh, let me ask you guys a question. If um, I think you guys would assume that if, if the laws were enacted that everybody would not have a gun, right, because no of the background saying, checks? No, no one With believes that. that. Nobody's okay. saying
1: that on
0: this panel.
5: Nobody's saying that? No. Okay. So what is the problem? Uh, does anybody there not like gun control?
0: The problem that I have. I defy
2: the gun control. I defy the gun control. To plug the down. problem. Okay. Uh-huh.
0: The problem that I have is when you bring guns into a situation where I don't see. I mean, how many how many colleges get shot up a year where everybody needs to be armed? Now you're stopping freedom of speech. Now you're in a situation where the professors are afraid to get students to where they they may get defeated. Art because everyone's carrying, and, and now freedom of speech is period, And I don't think it's a fair trade-off for people to be armed in classrooms, because there's not enough
1: school shootings to justify it. Well, you don't have to,
5: to have some problem. armed in classrooms. You can have either the professors armed, or you can have um, uh, maybe security guards. But it's kind of reasonable for people to be afraid of people carrying guns, because nobody's used to it. But... Um, in the wild, wild west, the wild, wild west was not that wild. I think in Oklahoma there are only about, over a 10-year period of time, 15 registered murders. And that's what they exactly. carrying guns. But in the classroom, you have a point because if you have students in there, um, they're not used to carrying guns. They're not used to having guns at home. They just might take out the gun and shoot somebody. As a matter of fact, if you allow everybody all at once to have concealed carry or non-concealed carry, there will be a spike in shootings because people will use a nearest accessible fire, uh, firearm or weapon to commit a, whatever crime of passion that they're going to do. But after that, uh, gun violence will go down. Violence has gone down in cities where the gun control is lax. but yes and in states over the years, and in Chicago, it is out of sight, with the, uh, the roughest gun control in the United States. But but even besides that, let's not even take a look at the stats. Let's take a look at something else. If you have a neighborhood in which everybody has guns, and you have another neighborhood maybe a few blocks away, same amount of people, maybe 10,000 people in this community, 10,000 right. people. One has guns, the other community has no guns. Now, I think everybody will will concede to the fact that no matter what you want to do about guns, anybody who's a criminal will always get them. Correct? Correct. Yes,
0: okay. I agree with that.
5: So, yep. if the criminals know that on the left side there's a community with no guns, and on the right side there's a community with everybody nicely armed, who do you think they're going and go after Um, the ones with the guns or the ones without that's exactly why
2: all these mass shootings are in gun free zones you never see them happen in a place that doesn't have a gun or a police station a gun show a gun (laughs) range I mean you might have a nut case at a gun range go off you don't see mass shootings it's it, those kind of places—a gun show, a gun shop, police station—never, always in a gun-free zone. Yeah, all but right. when
0: we when people talk about gun control, there's various levels of it, right? I'm all for background checks, making sure the mentally insane that somebody doesn't walk out of a mental institution, think that mm-hmm. he's surrounded by leprechauns, goes and buys a gun and just starts shooting. I think you should be trained and licensed, just like you are with a car. And I know people say, well, you, you have to be licensed, but I don't. I have a gun. I'm not licensed. I do, you know, my um, daughter's. I don't think anybody should me. be
5: licensed to have a gun, just like they should be licensed to drive a car. Number one, you seems on the, on your on the face of your argument, it seems good. People who are mentally ill should be screened out. However, you're putting the government in charge of who's going to be considered insane, not insane, mildly insane, and they've been changing over the definitions of insanity the past few years. I don't yeah. want the government in charge of a fucking thing. That needs Marital? to go
2: back to HIPAA. That's why we need to release, relax the HIPAA laws and let doctors say if this guy's mentally insane. Right. Let, 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 but who let enforces that? Check?
0: If the government doesn't well, enforce it, then who enforces it? The government. If the but it should be the
2: government deciding, it should be the do- if you have a history a medical record history showing that you are clinically insane, then that the, that's who should be. Then when you do your background check, that should be able to be.
0: All right. We're not going to
2: today i've got to move on thank to the next joe. topic i agree with you 100 percent joe greatest caller we've had if i ever retire you can be my replacement thank you joe
0: excellent joe thank all right. you bye-bye all right let's move on to the next um topic and, and once again i mean it sounds like joe wants to get to a point where he said you know the, the gun people will take care of it don't get government involved in our lives at all i don't want to live in an anarchy type world where everybody like there is basically no law, survival of the fittest. I don't want to live in that kind of world. I like how I don't think laws. he was
2: saying that. I don't think he was saying that. I just think he, he, he if he was saying it with me that it, the medical community
0: should be allowed to share their records don't. And, and yeah, the other people with guns.
2: No, how? but I mean when you do okay, when he, he not, wasn't saying say no against background checks. but He just wasn't saying the government should decide if you're crazy or not. It should be a medical institution, and those records should be available.
0: To when you oh,
2: and, buy a gun, that's and, what I think he and, was
0: saying. Enforce that. If I go, screw you, Doctor Johnson. I'm going to sell a gun anyways. Where does Doctor Johnson go to make sure I don't don't sell a gun to an insane person? If well, not to- and, and
2: so he makes. Well, but you still have do background checks through through the, through the ATF, like you do now. But your medical records should be available to the ATF. It shouldn't be some at the ATF saying, "Hey, this guy's insane." I think what Joe was trying to say, and what I, I'm saying.
4: You know, I think he echoes, honestly, what he said, really echoes the way a lot of people feel. And a lot of people do not want the government involved. And, I mean, that really came across very heavily. And I certainly appreciate him calling in. It's always good to hear from people. And I agree with him. I mean, less government involvement would be awesome. The unfortunate, uh, the unfortunate perception from my end is that we're at a, at a point in a society to where we don't have much of a choice because we have to do something and that is really a sad thing because ethically morally emotionally i agree with him less government involvement would be best but people just choose to do the wrong thing instead of do the right thing so we have to figure out how to keep people from dying and it's a real it, this is a really hard issue for me tit for tat because i am a a good i, I am a pro second amendment person but unfortunately i feel the regulation to a certain extent is necessary i do not want to see guns go away but we do have to kind well, of figure licensed. out how to find a happy medium with this.
0: And we're not licensed to drive cars. Do you like? Do you think car deaths? Do you think car accidents are going to go up or down? Is like, well, everybody has a car, and then car deaths will go down because everybody it's has. Illegal cars it. It's illegal to check. It's illegal to text while you're driving. And
2: I, <sighs> in the, I've owned my bike now for six months. I've been back on my bike on a bike for six months now, and I've almost been hit. I can't even count the number of times. Why it by smoke, seeing, it is texting. Why have any laws so, I mean, if you can always
0: say criminals will do it anyways? Why have drug laws? Criminals will smoke crack anyways. Why have they? What, what, I'm not, what, I'm not cars are privilege. Guns are right. Are, the,
4: car, the car argument's invalid yeah, completely and yeah, utterly.
0: Thank you, Fern. Thank you. But yeah, I wasn't yeah, making like, guns compared to cars. I was talking like to him like directly. Talk, Hold on. Let me make this point the, because sure, I'm, sure, I'm being paid for something I didn't say. I didn't say, well, this goes for cars, it has to go for guns. He said, we shouldn't be licensed to drive cars that everybody should be able to jump into a car and drive. And I say, do you think think car accidents will go up or down when that happens? Totally separate. No, I'm not
4: pegging you on saying that. What I'm saying is, in general, this car-to-gun argument, I'm actually really sick of hearing it. I'm tired of it. People like to use this all the time. And it is a privilege versus a right, and each individual state dictates how you obtain that privilege, it is not a right granted to you under the Constitution, and that 's what we 're talking about is your inherent right to bear arms, not the privilege of being able to get in a vehicle Thank and I, you, I just don 't like Jefferson. the argument i, I don 't like the, the comparison okay, use voting because nobody gets Thomas. upset that people take your right to vote away because you have an alcohol issue or a drug issue like the state of Arizona does. Nobody talks Thomas about Perl that Jefferson. that the government can come in and control that, but yet this is an open carry state. The, let's get pissed no. off about our rights, not our privileges. Well,
0: fair enough. Thomas, okay,
4: let me, let me move on to Fern Jefferson.
0: I can't make this whole episode about guns. We've done but like just, five
4: guns. No,
2: like, like, Fern and I talked the other day. They need to put firearm safety back into schools. And like I told Fern, they can I use agree. airsoft guns. They don't have to use real guns if they're that terrified. But they should teach kids what guns are, what they can do, how they can kill Get the enigma, the, the the ooh, it's taboo, out of the equation, and you'll have less accidents and more uh, uh, children growing up with responsibility and grow into a responsible gun owners as they become adults. But we're afraid to do that.
0: Well, we're not afraid to do it. They do it here. They don't actually have a gun range, but they teach gun safety here starting at, like, second grade. And they're supposed
2: to start next year here in Missouri, but every state needs to do it.
0: All right, let me move on to this guy. And this is what I feel is a byproduct of Donald Trump. And I want you guys to tell me if you think that this disqualifies you from holding office or if what you do in your free time doesn't disqualify you. Robert Murrow, he just got voted in as the Republican Party chair in Travis County, Texas. It's always Texas or Florida. Um, Here are some of his tweets and Facebook posts. And you guys can tell me if you think this at all disqualifies him for office. If, if this if this should cause him to lose his job, um, here's some of his tweets. I hope Mar- Mark Sanford loses because he is a metrosexual douchebag. And this is him saying this, not me, who had a wife with no tits and he can't control his Argentina whore. Um, here's a great one. Would Hillary Clinton swallow all of your cum, or would it make her more, uh, or would it be more of a Lorraine oh. Bobbitt situation? This is a public official tweeting this while in office. I have been having incredible I think urges Hillary of,
2: just for the record I think Hillary Fitter just saying thank <laughs> you for up.
0: um i have been I have an incredible urge to lick peanut butter off of Hillary Clinton. Does anyone have a doc who specializes in this disorder? I'm circumcised, and I love it. Cut the extra skin off, free the penis, take away places for problems to hide. I googled Robert Roof. murrow eleven inch penis confirmed over twelve million hits, just saying. We needed that
2: circumcision lawyer. See, we did need him on the show.
0: that would have been perfect for this. Um, Hillary Clinton masturbation fantasy update: three hours, twenty-seven minutes, fifteen seconds. What's wrong with me? I'm getting old, losing the passion. No matter how much I sniff Hillary's panties, which I bought off eBay, I can never be seen. I can never seem. I think that's supposed to be seem, not seen. To be able to last more than four hours choking the chicken while thinking about her. That's how she
2: makes her millions, not speaking, selling her youth panic. Damn it.
0: Now, my question is, and I looked this up, waitress gets fired for putting on her Facebook, I got bad tips tonight. Um, This girl goes in first day on the job, called it boring, got fired. Teacher takes a picture of herself in Europe on vacation with a beer, gets fired. Um, Apple employee gets fired for saying Apple sucks. All these people are getting fired because they are violating some kind of stipulation that, hey, even when you're off the clock, you're going to carry yourself out there in the public world with a certain amount of composure because you are representing you know, so-and-so elementary school when you can't be a stripper and be a teacher, even if it's on your free time. Yet because of Donald Trump and how the argument, how the conversation has been dragged down in the mire – this guy is allowed to continue. Um, Fern, you seem to be the sickened the most by this. You want to chime uh, in? Should this guy be immediately removed from office?
4: Yeah, this is an elected public official. This is disgusting. I am so appalled and repulsed by all of that. Like even reading the article when you sent the article, it was hard for me to to read through it, and then hearing it, just it is repulsive. This is not a. This is not somebody who should be in the. In, in the. Uh, no, this guy needs to go. It's, I, I. can't even. Like I can't even tell you how disgusted I am. There's a difference between having a private conversation behind closed doors and you know having a few drinks and telling dirty jokes or whatever with your friends and a public official coming out and saying some of these disgusting, disgusting things. I can't. I just can't even with this guy. Get rid of
0: them. Dwayne, do you fall in the argument of stop being a politically correct sissy? People should be able to talk about Hillary Clinton gargling cum and go back to their office the next day. Or, you know, don't violate my freedom absolutism, freedom of speech. Or do you think? that when you have a public position especially one in politics that there should be a certain level of decorum in an office and if you violate that level of decorum sorry goodbye you you're not representing the people most people in your district are probably not down with this kind of talk or mentality
2: first of all I want to say I want to thank him I actually sent him a friend request because on one of his facebook posts he showed that article was there's a Facebook page out there that says, I really like boobs. I didn't know that site was out there. I am now a follower of that site. Thank you, Mr. Morrow. Um that being said, um I'm kinda torn on this. I am I am a I am actually kinda torn. Yes, politicians should be held to a higher level. Yes they must, absolutely should. But then again this goes back to freedom of speech. Does he have the right to say these things? If he's not threatening her, if he's not, you know, causing you know, panic in a theater by screaming fire, does he have a right to say this? Yes, he does. So, as a libertarian, I am extremely torn on this because, again, politicians like Johnson, you, uh, President Johnson, you saw him talk about his Johnson in the Oval Office amongst his aides and his cabinet members, and it finally came out that how he he was a pervert. He was a major pervert. Kennedy was, was a womanizer. That's all come out. You know, Clinton had those... Um, The blowjob
0: incident, Obama on all these different,
2: but he uh, wasn't bragging
0: about it. He didn't go on the Tonight Show and go, "Guess what? I just got blown by my intern." That's the difference. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, our our level of
2: acceptance for what politicians can and cannot do over the years has gotten so low. The bar has gotten so low. Then I think is Ignatian. To me, yeah, what he's saying should not be, you know, as a politician, should not be said. If he's a private citizen, yeah, let him say it, whatever. You either agree with him, you don't, whatever. But as, as a country, our level, the bar for what politicians should be and how how they should be has gotten so low. I don't think people really give a shit, and I think it's sad. Yes, I do. But does he have a right to say it? Absolutely. So I think it's a it's a conundrum we're in where, we have lowered the bar so much for our politicians, along with Trump, with the cussing that he does. I will, I will give you that. Trump does a lot of cussing, which does kind of upset me because it is not presidential. And I hope when he does get elected, if he does, that he he stops doing that. because I hate to see, I think know.
0: dropping F-bombs will be the least of our problems. We need to worry about them. I
2: think Bill, Bill Maher summed it up best when he did the State of the Union address as Donald Trump with all the F-bombs. I thought that was hilarious <laughs> you know
4: shouldn't there shouldn't there be some repercussions for that? you know like you're free to decide but you're not free from the consequences and as a politician, does he have the freedom to say it? Sure, but there should be consequences for that, considering the the position in the office that he holds. This is different, like I said, than behind closed doors and him saying lewd shit to his friends. This is him coming out publicly, holding a public office and saying this lewd stuff, so it, does he have the right to say it? Yes, but there absolutely should be consequences i mean he Took that job knowing that there's a certain amount of decorum that has to be held, so well, he sure needs the to go.
2: State, but I'm not sure of the state. I mean, the state may have a clause in there, you know, a morals clause. When you get elected, they may or may not, or the town, and then it's also the people whether they have the right or not to say, hey, we want to recall election. I don't know the laws of the district he's in, if that's actually even Well,
0: once possible. again, we're going back to corporations have more power than government. When a corporation could fire me, because I, I put on my Facebook, had a lousy night, didn't make any tips, but this guy can say all of the this represent, uh, reprehensible crap and still remain in office, it's like we're saying, look, a waitress at Ruby Tuesday is held to a higher ethical standard than our politicians and leaders. You don't find something very twisted about that. Well, yeah, you could blame the people who wrote the laws and the election
2: laws and that thing. I, I talked last week about McKeesport. There's a guy get he cleaned his life up. He totally cleaned his life up. Years ago, he got uh, convicted of a felony for a forgery or something like that, or or some sort of corruption charge. He got a felony. He did his time. He cleaned his. He turned his life around. And now he, he he got elected as a, a, a local district councilman or whatever. And under Pennsylvania, because of that, he cannot, Pennsylvania law, you cannot hold a position in government if you've ever been convicted of a felony of corruption. So now he's fighting it and trying to, you know, fight that thing. Hey, look, this was 20 plus years ago. I've changed my position. Now, it, again, it depends on this town or city or wherever he lives if they have something like that in their laws. If they don't, then the people who wrote the laws obviously forgot to add those things. A lot of them don't have that. There are no morals clauses to be elected. I mean, look, look at Marion Barry. I mean, he was convicted of crack usage how many times, and he was still reelected. There's nobody stopped him from being reelected, even though he was convicted. Look at the Toronto mayor who, who was a crackhead, and he only stepped down, but there was no way to get rid of him legally. So, I mean, it's just a, something. Politicians miss when they write their because they all know they're all corrupt, so they keep those laws out on purpose because they know eventually they're all going to be corrupt anyway. I think.
3: Uh, Yeah, but doesn't it seem like I don't know that that's kind of a mixed bag because you've got some of them that haven't done anything that's really horrible or or violent or anything else, and you know they can't get reelected or whatever. But then, do you want somebody who's done something violent? Or you know something really corrupt, as if, you know, to have the chance to be in charge. I mean, exactly really? that's
2: why that's why more districts and more states should allow for the people to call for an impeachment or a, a removal from office. Like, like the people yeah, should be allowed. And I'm not using Obama, but like if the people wanted to remove the <laughs> president, you know, I'm just saying it should be the people. The, enough people went to the polls. Hey, we want to impeach, or we want to remove, or have a recall election. Some states have it. It should be on a nationwide and local level. They should say, hey, we made a mistake electing this guy. We should be allowed also to have a vote to get him out of office if we made that mistake, not suffer for four All years. All right, fair
0: enough. Um, Jim's not on the line yet, but we do have to move on. I don't know. People get confused sometimes with the time difference. So let me just go ahead and move on, and then he can just kind of call in and jump into the conversation. Dee, do we have to take care of anything else before my say? No, I would love to hear your say
3: this week. Minute, phone number, phone number, wait a phone you number,
2: phone number, phone number.
3: Okay, 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 okay. Um, yes, our phone number here seven eight three five five four. And, of course, if it takes just a minute for me to answer, it's because I'm probably on the other line with someone else. Um, and, yeah, we're, we're getting a little... Shaky, so if we do lose you, I sincerely apologize. It's not me, I promise it's the studio. It can only handle so many callers. Again, that's six four six four seven eight three five five four and
0: I'm here. Thanks for the reminder, Dwayne. And by the way, Dwayne, I think I'm gonna start calling you uh Badger Horseshack. Because you're always like ooh, 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 Oh Mr. Oh, Connor, Mr. Connor, Mr. Connor yes. <laughs> Yeah oh, Perfect. All righty, let me go ahead and get through this because we've got a lot to talk about today. Well, Super Tuesday has come and gone, and Wednesday was feeling pretty crappy as Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump each won seven states apiece – decimating the other presidential candidates, and painting a grim picture for the presidential race to come this November. As it looks right now, Hillary is all but guaranteed the Democratic nomination. That is, if she could stay out of jail long enough to kiss enough babies and make enough appearances at the local chamber of Congress. And Donald Trump will be the Republican nominee, unless, of course, the RNC drives him out of the party like corporate-owned villagers with ExxonMobil-issued pitchforks and torches. There is a small glimmer of hope on the Republican ticket by the name of John Kasich, a man who we we never know the size of his penis because he's just too damn classy to bring it up during a fucking live presidential debate. And on the left, we have a true champion of the people, Bernie Sanders. But because of the DNC's corrupt, super delicate system, Bernie has a better chance of becoming a KKK grand wizard than the Democratic nominee for president. There has been an ongoing battle on the left, and to some extent on the right, that if the race boils down to Trump-Clinton ticket, we must vote for one of these two unqualified corrupt sycophants, or we are not doing our civic duty as fine, upstanding, misinformed idiot Americans. Okay, so let's just ferret out this idea, I have to vote for the lesser of two evils, or I'm a bad citizen argument. Imagine if you and your spouse were about to celebrate your 10th wedding anniversary. Fancy dinner reservations, non-refundable tickets to a show. The whole night has been planned for months, and your babysitter backs out at the last minute. Now you have two choices. You could get the newly released sex offender from across the street to babysit your four- and five-year-old bundles of joy, or your meth-addicted cousin who is now semi-homeless because he blew up his trailer trying to make blue meth for his dart team. Do you say, well, I guess we'll have to go with Cousin Roy because he's the lesser of two evils after all. We just have to keep our fingers crossed that instead of straight up fucking our children, he will only burn down the house around them. I don't think so. In fact, I think you say screw both of these choices and stay home. So why can't we do that on election day? Or at the very least, write in Vermin Supreme and hope for a free pony to go with our 21st century tyranny. America has become, a brain, has become brainwashed. We think we have a civic duty to vote for one of the two corrupted parties, even if those choices are worse than choosing between watching a secret, the secret history of the Fabergé egg on a learning channel hosted by Gilbert Godfrey or binge-watching the Mindy Project on Hulu with limited commercial interruptions. And to do otherwise is either un-American or throwing away your vote on the person you truly believe to be the best man or woman for the job. A few years back, I started the Clean Slate campaign, a movement to vote every single current person out of office regardless of party. And I was told by many of my friends they would never vote for the other party no matter how bad their candidate is. Now, is this just blind loyalty or good old-fashioned indoctrination that keeps us all um, indentured to our political power elite? I guess that's a question that will be answered this coming November when either we vote in a quasi-fascist that, that loves himself way more than he loves America or a woman that is more corrupted and twisted than Martin Scarelli making illegal trades from inside a Turkish bathhouse. Bath excuse me. And that is my say for today. Let me get everyone. Are you guys back in with me? I think we lost D. I'm here. I'm here. Okay. Fair enough. So here's what's going on. I believe it has never been so important to vote your conscience as this election. It is definitely important to vote your conscience. Um, The Trump supporters are voting their conscience. And let me tell you what we're working against here. And once again, vote your conscience. And if America wants Trump, then let America have Trump. Don't vote against Trump. Vote your conscience. And this is what the conscience of of a lot of Trump supporters, and this is why they cross political lines. They're not all Republicans. They're independents, they're Democrats. But let me read you um, this open letter that's going around on the internet. It's signed by many Trump supporters. And you guys can kind of tell me what you gather from this. So this is the open letter. We don't care if the guy swears, this is about Trump, or how many times he's been married, or if he voted for Obama. We want the problem fixed. Here's why we want Trump. Yes, he's an egomaniac, but we don't care The country is a mess uh, because politicians suck. The Republican Party is two-faced and gutless, and illegals are everywhere. We want it all fixed. We don't care if Trump is crude. We don't care if he insults people. We don't care if he's changed positions. We don't care if he's been married three times. We don't care if he fights with Megyn Kelly and Rosie O'Donnell. We don't care if he doesn't know the name of some Muslim terrorist, leaders, whatever. We don't care that he's um, tried some businesses that didn't work out. The country is weak, bankrupt, our enemies are making fun of us, and we are being invaded by illegals. We are becoming a nation of victims where every Tom, Ricardo, and Hassad is a special group with special rights to the point where we don't recognize our country that we were born and raised in. We just want it fixed, and Trump is the only guy who seems to understand what people want. We're sick of politicians. We're sick of the Democratic Party, the Republican Party. We're sick of illegals. Trump may not be a saint, but he doesn't have a lobbyist he doesn't have lobbyist money holding him. He doesn't have political correctness restraining him. All he knows is he's been very successful, a good negotiator. He has built a lot of things and he's also not a politician. He says he'll fix it and we believe him because he's too much of an egomaniac to be proven wrong. Now, here's what I gathered from this. And give me just a second here. So here's this, here's what I've gathered from this. I feel like what these people are saying is, look, if Trump brings a little bit of fascism to America, that's fine, as long as it's not fascism against my group. If Trump doesn't know what he's doing, that's fine, because my focus, I'm a one-issue candidate, my issue is make America great again for my group, which happens to be predominantly white. Um, I don't think they're so worried about the Christian scene thing, because they have a lot of evangelicals behind them as well. But I feel like they're saying, look, if we have to give up a little bit of freedom, if this guy shreds the Constitution, and he said some very disturbing things about what he wants to do, the most disturbing to me was in the debate the other night where he said, hey, look, I'm going to do worse than waterboarding. I'm going to kill the families of terrorists. And when Megyn Kelly said, you have a lot of generals in the military that said they will belay that order that they're not going to follow you, he said, oh, yeah, they're going to follow me. And he said it in such a way that was fucking terrifying to me. Jim Bruce is on the line. Let me get him in here. Jim, thanks hey for calling in. Hey, what thanks is up? for having me. Absolutely. Uh, well, I'll let you have the insane. first um, thing on this. What is Trump's people saying when they say, look, we don't care if he's not qualified. We don't care if he's rude. We don't care if he's lewd. We don't even care if he's a bit of a fascist. Get the illegals out of here. That's our
1: concern. Is this not terrifying here. to you? It is. Here's what's amazing to me: when he first got into the race, I said to a bunch of my friends, "I said this is frightening," and and everybody, did, everybody I knew reacted the same way, which is, "Oh, come on, this is clearly just a joke candidacy." But from the very beginning, it seemed really obvious to me that this wasn't a joke candidacy. the The bit I do it, I had been doing about it for a while. Is you know, people would make jokes about his hair, right? What I was saying for a long time is, look, jokes about his hair are not something you should be, that's not the thing to focus on anymore. Much like, imagine you were a comedian in 1933 in Germany, and you were making fun of this guy's funny mustache. Like, we're past that point. Here's what I think about his followers. I don't think his followers don't agree that he's a bit like Hitler. I think they kind of want him to be a little bit like Hitler now. Uh, the only thing that makes sense to me is that they're down with this program because yeah, yeah. nothing else makes sense. They've they've adopted the premise that, yup, that's the problem. The problem is the immigrants. The problem is is the Muslims, and the problem is the black president because. You're in denial if you say that the economy is still in free fall. You just are. We have a 5% unemployment rate. We actually are doing incredibly well. So you're in denial if you think that we're still doing badly. I also blame Bobby Jindal. I really do. Okay, explain. I'll tell you why. Because the other day, and now Bobby Jindal, not just, I'd say he's he's Typical, but he's one of the worst offenders. He, across the board, spins the narrative that everything is Obama's fault. Everything. To the point that the other day he said the rise of Trump was Obama's fault, which makes no sense at all. But he's been spinning the narrative that it's all Obama's fault, which is a very convenient thing to say because it allows you not to be responsible for anything and that's been what the republican mainstream have been doing for the last 8 years they're like they've never said we're responsible for anything there's not one single issue where they went okay that's our bad yeah the buck wherever the buck stops it's nowhere near these guys so as you continue to spin that narrative it's not surprising well then people believe that narrative because they're listening to that so then when you try to change the narrative suddenly, well, you've got a guy like Ben Stein endorsing Hillary Clinton. Well, that's absurd. It wasn't just two years ago when Ben Stein was on Fox News saying that he was pretty sure Obama didn't really like America. Now, I'm not being hyperbolic. That's what he said. Right. That he didn't think he had America's best interests at heart. Now, you can disagree with policies, but if you're saying stuff like that, for eight years, and then suddenly you're trying to put it back in the bottle? That's your fault. That's the Republicans' fault. They've spun a narrative that allows the demagogue, that allows an insane nut job like him to rise. That's what it all comes down to. They set the table. Donald Trump just came to dinner. That's all that happened.
0: Well, let me pass this over to Dwayne, um, and Dwayne, I don't want you guys to sit here and argue if the economy's doing well or not,
1: because <laughs> I know
0: you're blowing up like, oh my God, the economy's <laughs> let's Let's keep it focused on this issue. You have been back and forth on Trump. Trump has said some terrifying things about what he's going to do with reporters when he becomes president, and I, I agree with Jim. I think some of these Trump supporters, and, and, they're, and this, is, this is crossing ideological lines. This is not Republicans. He has just as many Democrats and Independents. These Trump supporters are a different thing. He he has has
1: the oddest supporters. I find are the people who support Bernie Sanders who have said if Bernie Sanders doesn't get the nomination, they're going to vote for Trump. Which means that's bizarre to me. Which means that they're like either I get Bernie Sanders or burn it all down.
0: Yeah, yeah. Maybe that's that's where we come do. Let me ask Dwayne. though. so Dwayne, you're back and forth. You've seen Kenny just wrote, our friend Kenny just wrote an eloquent um, post the other day about Trump and some of the people running. He's a you know lifelong conservative. I'm um, Jeff Pro, lifelong libertarian, speaking out against Trump. I can name a couple more people. Every conservative I know now is like this guy is going to destroy, especially people who lean more libertarian. Are this guy is going to eviscerate the Constitution. He is saying some scary shit, and that letter says it all, right? Are you gathering the same thing I'm gathering from that open letter from Trump supporters? We don't care first, if he's fascist. Get rid of these me, people. Let,
2: let me right. start with first. He can, he Okay, after, besides that point. Um did you get that out of your yeah. system?
0: Because I don't understand the joke. Are you saying that's send
2: the huh? hate mail to Dwayne. That, that that's what whenever Hitler would come up and, and give his speech to everybody, you know, team can they put up their arm. I actually threw my arm up too, just for the helmet you know, to prove, you know, that I'm not only racist, I am a neo Nazi, just to put that out there. Hate mail at Dwayne Badger, Facebook, send it I I love it. Anyway. Um part part of him does make me nervous. Part of what he says makes me nervous in these debates. And like I've told you guys in private to me, the debates are show. It's showmanship. It's to get your base, to get more numbers, to put on a show, to get but media attention. But his base are a whether... bunch
0: of um, racists and Nazis who, like Jeff said, kind of want that's a Hitler type,
2: Stalin type. That, that's not and his face. It, that's, that's his fringe. That's his fringe. In fact, that, well, that's the case. That's why I said Steve killed because basically you're calling me a neo-Nazi, racist, whatever, hater. I'm not. I look at it this way. He's putting on a show. Just like Ted Cruz says he's chosen by God. His wife said he was chosen by God. It's all showmanship at this point. Yes, some things he says make me nervous, and they scare me a little bit. But that being said, there are also things that we need to address. Yes, illegals are sucking our economy dry. We cannot afford to pay any more for people to come here and giving them homes, welfare, everything else. We can't... Well, hold, on a, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. We need to stop it.
1: Hold on a minute. That's Statistically, that's actually not true. Because statistically, immigration is actually on the decline. So while, there, while immigration is an issue, but the premise that there are more immigrants is false. And Trump has went ahead and said, no, no, there are more immigrants, because he doesn't care about actual numbers, and that's part of the problem, too. No, there isn't a giant immigration problem. There just isn't. And if there is, it starts at the corporate level where you say, okay, if we really care about this, then we punish the companies that And that's what Trump has said
2: he's going to do, and he's going to eliminate the Yeah, that's the what he said he's going to do, except that he has money workers. in
1: companies that do that. So I have no, no I reason don't think to he, believe him.
2: But I have no reason not to believe him. I mean, Well, he, yes, you do, he, because he, he has money in companies that are still doing it. And you don't think and, that he has enough smarts to transfer his his money over to companies that only hire Americans? I think he does. I think but, he does. I mean, n- it, No, I don't point. think he, I mean,
1: that makes no sense. That makes absolutely no sense. Because the premise is that suddenly, if you make him president, suddenly he's going to be an integrous businessman where exactly he would acquire that integrity, I guess it would happen on the day he swears in. He's going to suddenly be a different person than he's been his entire life. That makes no sense.
0: Let me let Fern in here because you guys are kind of mixing it up back and forth. Fern, that letter that I read, is that saying anything to you besides I don't care if we get a bit of fascism in this country as long as it's not fascism towards white people. Get these immigrants, get these Muslims out of here, get the black community back in check and get... You know the the people in my group back on top. Yeah. That, I think
4: say that. I think that this letter is it stems from a long brewing and deep seated frustration with politicians spinning their wheels, getting very little done. The pomp and circumstance. And people are tired of it now. what you have is a fear monger like Trump who has come out and said some of these hateful, vicious things and instilled fear and driven uh just is is perpetuating this frustration and this fear amongst these people, and they're latching onto it. Honestly, yes, I think there is a percentage of of America that actually feels this way, but I also believe that there's a percentage of America that only thinks they feel this way. They're overrun by their fear and their anger. The one thing I like about this letter, I'm going to tell you what I like about this, because if you just tweak a few words where they say, we don't care, we don't care, we don't care, if you just take that word don't out and tweak that little letter a little bit, that would be a perfect, perfect example of why you do not want to elect Donald Trump. And that can be twisted to, to the favor of the anti-Trumpers if somebody were so inclined to do so. So it, it is hateful. But I think, I think a, a lot of it stems from a lot of fears and frustration that people haven't built up and they're following that schoolyard bully because they can live vicariously through them. Why are
0: we so why are even racists afraid to say they're racist? In other words, my friend posted an open letter that he had gotten that was making its rounds around social media and he posted it agreeing with it and it said, Look, our country has been hijacked by liberals, gays, blacks, Latinos, illegals, environmentalists, union workers, government <laughs> workers, teachers, feminists, black people like and it just named forty different cat it named ninety percent of the country everybody but him. And, but him. And I was like, well, why don't you just say white Christian males? Like, what, just say I only want freedom for white... Why are you cloaking it and... Well, I only have a problem with 90% of the country. If we could just get 90% of the country in control, then I'll be cool. Like, just say, look, I'm a racist and I want my group to be number one. Like, can you at least say that and man up and be like, dude, I'm a racist. And I think that if they did that, they get so offended when you call them a racist, but if you're like, well... You hate every group but yourself. What would you call yourself if you were looking from the outside? If you're not a racist. Well,
4: certain, certainly verbalizing that does peg them as a racist. I mean it really does, but I think a lot of people hear a lot of hate speech as they go through their lives and have their experiences, whether they agree with it or not, they hear it and it's always in the bank. And when they start when you start getting a fear situation like ISIS and all the attacks, that fear plays out into those things that they've heard that they're reserving in the bank, and they feed off of it and perpetuate it forward. And that's where the problem is. People aren't stopping to rationally think, okay, I'm scared. Now, what exactly am I scared of? Is my next-door neighbor really going to come and behead me in in my sleep? Is that guy at 7-Eleven really going to rob me? No, of course not. I really don't think they actually believe that, but they're driven by that fear, and then they open their mouths and perpetuate things and make it worse. And that's what Donald Trump has done for this country, and that goes back to the politician saying all those slanderous things about Hillary Clinton. You know, when you have people in power talking to each other that way and talking about America that way, you're going to do nothing but perpetuate negativity. I mean, how are we supposed to talk to each other when they can't even talk to each other and be respectful? It's horrible. Well,
0: it's like I told Kenny today, and then I want to read some numbers real quick, and I'll pass it over again to Jim. But like I told Kenny today, I said people are making decisions out of fear, And nowhere in the history of civilization has a country turned out on the positive by making decisions out of fear. Fear Fear-based decisions never bring positive results. It just brings chaos. So we we have to be able to vote our conscience and not just make fear-driven, I've got to vote against Trump, I've got to vote against Hillary, decisions and vote our conscience. All right, let me read the Super Tuesday numbers. Now, there are Super Saturday numbers, however... Um, a lot of them have not been confirmed or just projected. So I don't want to read. I'll read who won each state, but I don't want to read the delegates for that. But let me just give you some quick stats here, and then we can talk about this. So the Democrats um, need 2,383 delegates. Hillary, as of Saturday, has, um, or as of Tuesday, excuse me, has 1058. She needs 1,325 more, 1,325 more. Bernie only has 431. And he needs 1952 more. He needs 1,952 more. Hillary's about 600 ahead. Just to kind of wrap this up in a nice little bow, um, delicate per delicate, Hillary has 570 delegates. Bernie has 490. That's a difference of 80. However, Hillary has 470 super delegates, and Bernie only has 22. Um let me, I'll get back to that. Let me read these other numbers because you guys need to understand what's going on with this super delicate situation. Republicans, um, they need 1,237 total delegates because they don't have this super delicate garbage going on like the Democrats do. Trump uh, has 3,291, needs 900 more. Cruz has 2,311, needs 1,000 more. Rubio's at 110. He needs 1,127 more. Kasich's only at 25. He needs 1,200 more. So, as of Tuesday, Cruz was only behind about 90 delegates and now he's behind even less because he won two states last night and so did Trump. Fern, let's let's start with this. What's going on with superdelegates and how could it be so lopsided that Bernie is actually almost tied with Hillary, but when you add in the superdelegates, he's getting decimated. The people don't have a voice in this situation, right? All
4: right. Now, people hear superdelegates, and they're a little confused about superdelegates. Now, delegates, regular delegates, are delegates that are assigned by the state to go to the convention and vote for whomever won that state. Some states are winner-take-all. Some states break them up. And those delegates are bound to vote for who the constituency voted for in the percentage that they have. Superdelegates, each party can make up their own rules. And the DNC decided in 1980, they suffered two losses out of the last three elections. They decided to convene a commission on presidential nominations to help revamp how they nominate candidates, and they did it out of concern for electability. So one of those things that came out of that 1980 commission in 1982 was the superdelegate system. And superdelegates are comprised of people in the Senate, the House, Governors, all Democrats that belong to the DNC, even former politicians, and these delegates are not tied to vote for the candidate that the constituency votes for. They can vote any way they want, and the Democrats have an insane amount of superdelegates, and it's really it's really interesting. When I dug into the history, um, typically your superdelegates will vote for the candidate that donated the most to their political campaign. So this is a way for the establishment to rein in uh, a candidate and get their candidate on the podium that they want, and it's a way for the establishment to keep control over the nomination process. And the
0: establishment is screwing Bernie by this, and and to a certain extent, the establishment on the right has started an anti-Trump team, and they said, look, the three guys that are left in this, um, Rubio, Cruz, and Kasich, they're going to kind of step aside in each state that they think the other would have a strong lead in. In other words, Cruz isn't really going to go at it too hard in Ohio because that's Kasich state. He's the governor there. So he's going to let Kasich have that with a wide margin. And the game plan is for the three of them together to get 51% of the vote. That way they can force out Trump in a broker convention with 49%. And while I want the Republicans to get Trump out of there, I don't want them to do it like this because it perverts the system. But it does seem rigged that the establishment on both sides are kind of pulling the strings. And even with Trump getting the, the delegates – That he wants to get, now it's looking like that he, you know, with what happened with Cruz yesterday, taking two states by a big margin, and we'll dig into why that is. Let me go over to Jim. I mean, is this game rigged for the establishment?
1: It's funny because because when I think of Trump in a sort of a general sense, just thinking of Trump independent of other thoughts I might have, I despise him. But I have for a long time just because I, I don't like reality TV anyway. There's a lot of reasons to just not enjoy him as a person. But the fact of the matter is you still want the voters to decide. And voters who aren't me, who like him, well, their vote counts, and it should count. So, yeah, it does feel rigged. And it's funny when you say, "Well, oh, he's going to ruin the Constitution, and then you go, no, maybe we already have if this nonsense is going on. And, on the other, and then getting back to just when I think of Trump in general is like, and I don't really think he can turn this into Nazi Germany, even if in my worst imagination I'm like, yeah, but we still have a constitution, and he can't actually get rid of the constitution no matter what he does. The German system was different. And in general, yeah. what I, and as far as Bernie and Hillary, I suspect whatever finagling goes on, I suspect because of all that's at stake, it's just, they're just going to be on the same ticket anyway. So I'm less worried about that. It's still kind of annoying, but I have a feeling that when it all shakes down, it's going to be Hillary for president, Bernie for vice president, because I feel like they're smart enough to recognize that would be bulletproof.
0: Well, I hope so. Dwayne, let me ask you this, because this, this is the question I really want to dig into this episode. Trump okay. Trump had, you might as well say, a defeat. If, if Ted Cruz didn't get the most delegates, He's definitely very, very close. He's closing in. Trump took two states. Cruz took two states. Um, I don't know what the majority of those states is to know who actually got the most delegates. But Trump is hurting. He didn't come in and decimate like he did last Tuesday. The question right. is the media has turned on him, and I think that's under the influence of the RNC. The RNC is, is beholding the corporations. Six corporations own all of our mainstream media in this country. Word came down hey, you guys got some ratings out of this. It's time to take this guy out for the establishment. Is Trump starting to suffer losses because the RNC and the media is is slamming him with those losses? Or is it because he has doubled down and said a lot more crazy shit that has driven people like Kenny and driven people like um, Jeff Crow and people like that to say, okay, I'm, I can no longer tolerate this guy. Even if he is our nominee, which is it? Is it I Trump doing it, or the establishment doing it, or a little of both?
2: Both. Um, the media definitely. Uh, it was a setup. This last debate was an absolute setup. When have you ever seen a a debate where they're showing videos of what somebody has said in the past? They have never done that in the history of a debate that I've seen. So part of it is the media turning people who might have been on the fence. Part of it, like me, like I said, part of me is getting nervous about some of the things he said. He said, "Am I nervous enough yet to take away all my support from him?" No. Am I nervous enough to have thoughts and wonder where might this go if he becomes president? Yes. So I think it's a, a mixture of the RNC and media. Continually attacking him and pointing out some of his inconsistencies. Had they done this with Barack Hussein Obama, or Barry, as I affectionately call him, Barry Satoru, he wouldn't have been our president twice had the media and, and the people have done this. But they are doing it with Trump. So I, I think it's a mixture of both. And him doubling, you know, saying one thing is double talk on certain things. Like i told you in the past, I would rather have a politician come out and say, This is where I stand.
0: Like Bernie this
2: does. This is where, this is where, Tom. Um, I'm just going to say this: a politician. <laughs> I'm not gonna' I'm, You're going to trick me into giving a, a shout out to Bernie, but I'd rather have a politician come out and say, "This is where I stand. This is my issues. I don't care what the polls say or what the media says. This is my stance and leave it as is." Like Mitt Romney, how he would change his position throughout the polling cycle. How Rand Paul even changed his position throughout the polling cycle. If you said something 10 years ago and, and, you know, you changed your your point of view after 10 years, I can live with that. But to change your position within an election cycle or, you know, like we are during these primaries, that bothers me. And on a couple things, yes, Trump has said changed his view too quickly for my taste. Whereas, you know, certain things he said, yeah, this was 15 years ago. I said this, yeah, I said it 15 years ago, but I've changed my view, So I can live with those but not the ones that I said 15 minutes ago or 15 days ago. That kind of is what makes me shaky on it.
0: Well, what – okay, let me pass this to Fern, and we lost Jim. Hopefully he'll be able to get back in here. But let me pass this on to Fern. What makes you more nervous? or What makes Trump more despicable to you? If the um, New York Times is right and off the record he said, look, I'm not building a wall. I'm not deporting Muslims. I'm just saying this to get the racists to vote for me and drum up my base. I'm not doing any of this stuff. So he's scamming and playing America, or if it's true, he does want to do this and turn this into the United States of Trump and actually do that. Which one to you is more, I know which one's scarier, but which one to you is more reprehensible? If he's scamming America, or if he is the kind of fascist, Stalinist type dictator that he pretends to be? Or is he uh, not you know, if out?
4: he's if he's scamming America, and that does come out, then that just does nothing but cement what I've been saying for months and months. And that's he's out for himself. This is a this is a coup. It is all just another notch in his belt. It's an accomplishment for him. It's another negotiation. It's another deal. It's another challenge. So honestly, it wouldn't surprise me, and I'm already I've, I've already been convinced of that anyway. So it's not surprising, but it's just despicable no matter what. There is no one is greater than the other if he actually believes it or if he's scamming America, because either way, it's friggin' horrible, just in a different way. But I want to go back to what Dwayne said about showing the video on the debate, and they did, in all fairness, I did not get to watch the entire previous debate, not this last one, but the one before, because CNN took it off of uh, YouTube before I could finish it. But they did preface that with, this is what we did for the other candidates in the other debate. So if that is true, I don't know if it's true, but they did say that they already did that, Showed videos and contradictions in the other debate. Number one, number two, as far as being able to stand your ground and on your policies, I don't even know what his policies are. I, 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 he has no substance. He has not gone into great detail or any great depth about anything. And this is why I think Trump is flailing now, because there's four candidates now, not 13 or 16, however many there were. There's four, and the spotlight is being on him for his lack of substance, and everybody else has a plan. Everybody else can speak eloquently, intelligently, and he does nothing but hurl insults. Support- and I'm hoping that people okay. are waking up and seeing that idi- idiocy.
0: What about the supporters that don't care in that letter? We don't care if he doesn't know the issues. We don't care if he changes positions. We don't care if he insults people. Get this guy in office. He's the only one that can take care of my one issue, people that are different than me.
4: And those, and that is what you were talking about with making a decision based on fear versus intellect. And everybody needs to stop and understand, why do I like him? Do I like him just because he has a big mouth? Do I like him just because he says what somebody's thinking? Or do we need to put somebody in the highest office of the land, the leader of the free world, who knows what the hell they're doing? I mean, this is this is a question that everybody needs to stop and ask themselves. Am I making an intellectual decision or am I making an emotional decision? And the emotions have to be thrown out of it. You've got to use your brains. You've got to think Trump. it through. And if at that point you decide, yes, Trump's the way to go, then I can at least respect that. Do your due diligence. Look into the other candidates. Look and see who fits best with you and take your emotion out of it.
2: Trump is nothing like me. I'm poor and I have a small winky. So yet I still support him. So it can't be you're, I'm just voting for him because he's like me. I'm voting for him because of the job
0: and because of illegals. It has nothing to do with And what if you have to take in me. a little bit of fascism with that? Is that is that a fair trade off? That, that we is have where have my little... fear
2: comes in. No, that is where my fear comes in, and that's where I I, I, I I'm nervous. That's the part I am nervous about. I mean, I... I'm hoping, like he did say, I will go according to Congress and follow the laws like every citizen. He did say that. So he walked it that's back. But
0: what he said in the heat of the moment, I believe, is the real Trump. Walking it back at doing damage control yeah. because PR people is like, oh shit, um, you might have just cut your own throat. That's different than what you say in the heat of a moment when your real emotions come out. Jim, you're back with us, right? Hey. Yeah. Okay, you're a comedian. I'm going to throw you some comedy gold here. Mitt sure. Romney is the guy they brought out, the establishment brought out to take on Trump. Go! There's lots to say.
1: Yeah, I, I, well, okay, I watched his speech. Oh, by first of all, by the way, Trump has said some real policy things. He said he's going to make someone else pay for a wall, which he can't do. So the one yeah. thing he said he'd do, he doesn't. So if you care about immigration, his plan couldn't work. He can't actually pass a bill that requires Mexico to build a wall. There's nothing he can do. That's well, the broader
0: stupid. question is how do you enforce it? Do we go to war to Mexico? Do we send our kids well, to Well, that's die? my point. That's my point is
1: that if you think he can handle immigration, it's certainly not based on anything he said. That's, that's, as far as Romney goes, Romney is the one guy that makes me kind of want to vote for Trump because that's absurd to trot out a guy who, like literally a couple years ago, said Trump was fantastic. You know, all this gamesmanship. Do you think, by the way, joking aside, that they want to run Romney? Is that what they want to do?
0: They're talking about running him third party, to which Trump said, if they run a third party against me, then it's an impossibility that Hillary Clinton does not become president. This is going to hand Hillary Clinton the presidency. So are they but willing you know to
1: what? At this Hillary? point Is that a pirate victory point? for them? Point don't you think there's enough Republicans who go okay fine give it to Hillary because they're so worried about Trump?
0: Yeah, but people are so brainwashed, it? Jim, that they're going to vote the person that's put in front of them begrudgingly and go well, I got to vote for Trump because I'm a Republican even though I hate the guy or I'm throwing away my no, vote. Ben, but no, but no, as I don't know
1: if that's actually true anymore because at the point when Ben Stein, who could not be more of a Republican if he tried at the point when Ben Stein is holding his nose going, yeah, Hillary's a pretty good person. Well,
0: I not not a Ben's lot
1: of people... Well, does got this
2: reinforce him. my point, or does this reinforce my point that Republicans and Democrats are working together and neither one of them give a shit who we want for president, and it's already
1: pre-chosen? No, no, I don't, be even, I don't think that's true. I don't think Republicans have been working with Democrats in about 30 years. I just think in this one case they're like, oh, crap. Not Trump. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. The premise that they work together is undermined by everything I've seen for my entire lifetime. (laughs) Whoever's right or wrong, they certainly do not work together.
0: Well, Jim, let me read this list real quick um, of people who are backing Trump that have been lifelong Republicans. And I'm not even pulling up the celebrities. Justin Amish, um, representative of Michigan, these are all Republicans, Governor of Massachusetts, Charlie Baker. Right. Glenn Beckett. No the of course. break I'll...
1: is there. You you absolutely there's a break. There's a break where these Republicans are like, no way, I'll even vote for Hillary, and then there's the you know, the extreme wing who go, Yep, let's let's do Trump.
0: Okay, the let me actually let me throw this to Fern first because me and you talked about this a little bit on the phone. And by so, the way,
1: Sorry yeah, I no, was so hilarious about Romney, but I'm just
0: irritated.
1: <laughs> well, that writes itself,
0: though. You could just say, so, Romney's coming out, and that's who they're using to attack Trump. I mean, that's a joke within uh, itself. I can't wrap my free head magic around underwear,
2: this. Free magic underwear for everybody who votes for
1: Romney, though. Just saying.
0: Better than free ponies.
1: The, him being Mormon is the one thing I like about him. I'm, I'm down with that. Everything about... I'm down with that and his haircut, but everything else is not cool. All
2: right. He, he does have nice hair. He does have very nice hair. Yes, he does. I that. He does. Yes,
1: very much. I would love to run my fingers through that. Wow.
0: Maybe one day you'll get the chance, Badger.
1: Yeah, if that's anybody's so, policy I'll, that I get to do that, then that's who I vote for. All right, well, then I'm less scared. Amen. <laughs> So the consensus
0: seems to be among political analysts that Trump has been winning big in open primary states. An open primary state is a Democrat can choose to vote in a Republican primary instead of their usual Democratic primary. The Independent can vote. They can't vote in both, but they can, people from across the aisle can say this time around I'm going to vote in the Republican primary. And in those states, Trump has been racking up big wins. However, when you get to the closed primary states, when it's just Republicans voting on the Republican ticket, that advantage drops by a lot and you know Trump lost two states yesterday; they were both closed. He barely won Kentucky, which was also closed. I think he won by two points um Louisiana I don't know if that's closed or open if somebody can get that information, but the um point is is that trump is is not has the advantage. In these closed states. What does that say, Fern, that Trump is consolidating and building a constituency among angry white people and not among Republicans or Democrats? Isn't that what these numbers tell us?
4: Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Virginia is an open primary state. I think uh, Maine is open as well, and he lost Maine. I'm so I got I got to give a shout out to my state for, uh, and Ted Cruz is no better. But big shout out to them for you know for doing that, considering their governor backed him. So I was actually pleasantly surprised to see that he did not win that state. Um, but yeah, it, he's drawing out the Democrats and the Independents, probably more likely. Uh, a bigger base of the independents and the Democrats, it's just my opinion, than the Republicans. The Republicans are just... He does not stand for what the Republican Party stands for. He just doesn't. And you're going to see, when you, as you have more closed primary states, I think Ted Cruz is going to close that gap even more. I'm really hoping Kasich can stay in it long enough for a contested, if not a brokered convention. In my mind, that's imminent. But... um, You know, he's really drawing off the Democratic and independent voters. Now, what does this say for general election? I mean, that's fine for the primaries if he's going to pull off of that and maybe pull out a win. But when you get to a general election... I don't know that those Democrats are still going to stay on the Trump side. I don't think that he's going to have quite that pull with the Democrats and independents that say Hillary or if Bernie gets in, I certainly don't think that he can beat Bernie Sanders to be quite honest with you. I think okay. if Bernie can get off of that uh that socialist stigma um and, and kind of shake that a little bit In the minds of the voters And stick to what he's been doing In his town halls And in his his convention His uh, his gatherings Like I think that he actually Would be better served to beat Trump um, I don't know if Hillary's going to be In the clink or not We're going to see what happens But I think in the general election This is going to help him now But I think it's going to hurt him later
0: Agreed um, Let's pull this over to Dwayne What do you think about what's going on within the party itself in that he does have this crossover section? They're trying to drum him out. If they do drum him out, if he gets the most delegates and they broker the convention – and I asked this question last week, but I think you'll have a different take on it this week. Is it riots in the streets from the Trump supporters, or is this the final nail where everybody gives up on politics? If Bernie gets denied and he has the votes, and if Trump gets denied and he has the votes.
2: It's funny. We we were out the other day, and I just for the first time I happened to see CNN. It was on the screen at Burger King for for while we were there for about a half hour, and I was watching the blitzer. And all the pundits there were were um talking about it's going to be a revolt, whether it be a violent revolt, a voter revolt, or whatever. Or if it breaks the 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 Republican Party, they're not sure. But if it goes to a broker convention, if you know, it, it's going to be some sort of revolt. They weren't sure what type, they don't know. It, again, it's just pundits and CNN, we'll blitzer. But, and I feel the same way, it's going to be some sort of, you know what, This, just like the Democratic Party it should be, if you see, I don't support Bernie, but he, I see him got, he has more support than Hillary, and how Hillary can become our next nominee is beyond me. I I, I just, I, I think there's going to be such some sort of uprising, whether it be people just refuse to vote, or they all vote bourbon Supreme, or if it does yeah. the violence, I think people
1: are finally just gonna be done and fed up with it. Well, you know well, there- what? In the history, every now and then, you know, we the Republicans weren't always the Republicans we have today, and we, you know, we used to have the Whigs. You know, there's it might be the best thing in the world because the best thing in the world might be for the current version of the Republican Party to shatter and reform. As a new thing, because it just might be time. I mean, it might be time for the Democrats too, but I don't. I don't see that happening this time. But it might be time because the Republicans have shifted before. You know, you you know certainly you had Lincoln Republicans. Well, that's not that's not the party of Lincoln anymore, and it's not not the party of Lincoln. But you know what I mean. It's not the same thing as it was. So maybe it's time. Maybe that would be wonderful. Maybe it would be time to go. Okay, listen. It's become this corporate. It's become this staid and steady. It's time now for it to shatter into something new, a re-expression of public will. I mean, that actually could be a wonderful thing. If they broker the convention and everybody goes, okay, done, and we figure out where we really want to be. Like, maybe there could be room for, oh, dare I say it, moderates again. That might. Be I more. hope so.
0: Well, but okay. So let me I ask like this: I like moderates.
1: I'm a fan of moderates, like moderate Republicans, moderate Democrats, moderate human you beings both. who talk to each other and try to do
0: things.
4: A that is the like mission. Web.
0: Yes, that is the mission statement of this show. Dwayne, we've talked about this several times. How can Bernie Sanders run? He's been an independent his whole life. Now all of a sudden he's running on a Democratic ticket. How can Trump, who hasn't even been in politics, switch his parties, run on a Republican ticket? We have an insane two-party system where Rand Paul, Ted Cruz, and Donald Trump are all on the same ticket. And I'll say this again. We need a constitutional amendment. Each party has, in a number, 20 bullet points. These are the 20 things we believe. We're not for gay marriage. We're not for abortion. We're pro-legalization. We're for raising taxes. Whatever. 20 bullet points. If you do not have a history of voting for... 15 out of those 20 bullet points, you have to run – I'm sorry, Rand Paul, you have to run third party. I'm sorry, Bernie Sanders, you have to run third party. Wouldn't this force a third party to coalesce and become viable if we got all these people out of piggybacking
1: into these parties that they don't belong in? Right, Dwayne? That feels 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 a a little little non-democracy to me.
2: First of all, I want to thank our, our phone listeners. Sorry sometimes we can't take your calls because we do have so much to talk about. I do apologize. Thank you for listening. That's awesome. Keep listening. We'll get you next time. Um, on this point, yeah, I do believe we should have a viable third party. There should be a litmus test for any uh, candidate. It's like um, back in Pittsburgh, back in P- uh, Pennsylvania, Spector, Specter. He he was pretty much a Democrat his whole life, but he ran Republican. He got voted in. Then, when he found out he couldn't get voted back in as Republican, he immediately changed to Democrat. And I, I don't think you should be allowed to do that. There should be a, a test. There should be something, some way, somehow to verify. But because this goes back to me again, saying that the parties predetermine who's going to be president, which is a conspiracy of mine, in my opinion, that we already know who's going. They already know who's going to be our next president for the next six election cycles. But they just play this game just to make it good. I think Barack Obama
0: like just qualifies that conspiracy. I don't think Barack I Obama don't. has ever been pre-selected. That seems a little crazy. No. Yeah, think. I'd agree. All right, Fern, is this the end? Uh, Trump gets elected president. He turns the Republican Party into something completely different. He doesn't get elected. All those people that were Trump supporters that were conservative their whole life, they splinter, they go follow somebody else or move somewhere else. Is this – no matter what happens in 2016, are we seeing the end of the Republican Party as we've known it for the last 100 years? <clears throat> or let's say – You know, that's, that's, that's a – I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let's say the last 60 years since the Southern strategy and, Ra- and then Reagan afterwards. That's when, that's when the Republican Party we have today developed. Does that Republican Party of the last 60 years, true conservatism, does that change? From what we've known the past 60 years after this election cycle?
4: It already has. I mean it already has. You look at how factionized it's become and we talk about this all the time but it's true. I mean everybody has already kind of gone into separate corners within the Republican Party and tried to figure out what is going to work. What what are we going to do? What how are we going to resonate with the Conservatives and with the Independents and perhaps even some of the Democrats to get this Democrat out of the White House and get a Republican in? Because that's their ultimate goal, right? So I think that the I think we've already seen the demise of that that core unity that we used to have in the republican party um I think it can be obtained again, and I think once I think this election cycle will actually help coalesce the party, not destroy it, unless of course and that it, that is a big if, unless, of course, Trump gets this nomination and perhaps the presidency, because I do think he's divisive, and I do think that it, it, shaking the stigma of Donald Trump and getting the stink off of the party is going to take decades. I think yeah. it's wow. going to take a long time to distance ourselves from that. I think
1: it's going to take longer than it would take to get rid of the stink of his cologne,
4: which <laughs> nice. he sells, by <laughs> the way,
1: at Macy's. Um, yeah, so
4: Wayne I, it, it,
0: Let me Because we talk a lot about division and things like that, and like I told Jim, we are a show that is about moderates. We're a show that's about unity. Does it make sense to you, and I've seen this a lot, I've seen this actually a Hillary-Bernie battle online, but I've also seen a lot of people say, if you're going to vote for Donald Trump, unfriend me on Facebook, we're done. Does it make sense to you that if you know somebody 20 years, that you should just cut them off this is a big this is a big B in my bonnet. I cannot stand when somebody says if you have a different opinion than mine then that's it we're done. And I've had that happen to me several times as you guys know. Well,
2: well you you're you're being a hypocrite because you unfriended and reported me on my last week over this. So, I don't know what you're asking.
0: I'm just trying to make my space um viable again. That's why I did that. That was totally gotcha. propaganda and promotional. It's, it's well.
2: ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But it, if you look at Trump, though, you, you talk about division, 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 division. If you've got more Democrats voting for Donald Trump than you do for Hillary or Bernie in these open open primaries, does that, that tell you that possibly he's not as divisive as the media and the RNC want you to think, that possibly he will be willing to work with both sides like Reagan did, and say, hey, look, I, I'm. Oh, when well, he said everything is negotiable, yes, he may have donated to Clintons in the past. Maybe that tells you, hey, he might work with a Democratic Congress or a Republican Congress and say, hey, we got to do this to get this done.
0: And now, he it he exactly he's a narcissist out. who's only about Trump and will do and say anything if it betters Trump. Jim, you want to chime in?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's hard to judge by I, – I think it would be hard to ascribe any character quality him on him just based on what some Democrats may vote or whatever, but I don't think that tracks logically. I think Trump is who he is. I think he's riding a weird wave. I don't think, now, just stepping back, I think probably a lot of this actually surprises him, too. I mean, I don't know that he anticipated this was going to be this way. I think now that it is this way, he's like, well, okay, I guess this is what I'm doing. I don't think he saw this and on his vision board, the way that nice. this is playing out. I don't ascribe any quality to him based on who follows him. I don't think that suggests anything other than the fact that a lot of people watch reality TV and a lot of people vote for dumb reasons.
0: Well, in this election...
2: I just time, want to clarify, has- I do not even have cable, and I have never seen one of Donald. TV shows, and I don't watch any reality TV. I do want to clarify that. So
0: I'm not And that's what TV. makes this weird, right? I mean, Donald Trump has every political um, analyst scratching their head, because you've got Ted Cruz being destroyed in evangelical states. You've got, what was it, Minnesota, the winners in that well, contest? Ted Burns, Cruz and Rubio? Ted Cruz
1: is a piece of garbage. And Donald Trump <laughs> lucks into the situation where the guy who is Theoretically, the front runner is kind of a monster too. He's Shit. he's not well liked by other Republicans,
0: but evangelicals are actually doing something, and they kind of did this with Romney and the Mormon thing. But this is way beyond that. They're kind of saying, "Look, I've seen pictures of Donald Trump's wife half naked and drunk, passed out. She looks like a freaking girls gone wild video. That doesn't bother me. Trump gets up and speaks in front of evangelicals."
1: Wait, wait, wait. Evangelicals will that, surprise that you with how thoughtful they are, because everybody oh. thinks an evangelical, you've got them in your pocket as long as you look at the Bible. That's not actually true. They'll often vote for odd, moderate reasons. I don't know that this is know, a moderate reason, but they will. I just want to know if we have a link to that
2: page of his wife, half-naked drunk or want.
1: Do we have a link? Please, I'm please, sure please.
0: you've seen that meme, but the point I'm trying to make is... He's not particularly Christian. When he tries to play being a Christian, he stumbles very badly. And like that thing said, they don't really care about that. He is transcending things that would disqualify any other human being on the planet for when running for president. And you've got Rubio and Bernie Sanders. They both took um, Minnesota. Bernie and I think it was Cruz – both took another state that you wouldn't expect. I don't have it here at the top of my head. Fern, Oklahoma. Why is this, Oklahoma, thank you. Why yeah. is, why can you not predict what's going to happen in this? And nobody is able to predict how these votes are going to go. Even people who make their bread and butter off this and are right a lot more than they're wrong are like and, – and and let me ask you this too. Let me throw two things at you. And okay. A conservative party, a party that's for conservative values – why is Kasich polling so horribly against Trump? Shouldn't this guy be the front runner at least against Trump, if not in first
1: place?
4: Well, and it, it all comes down to media attention. And I actually think that coming into this, Donald Trump thought that his biggest uh, opponent was going to be Bush. And Bush kind of screwed himself in the debate by performing very weakly. He was seen as very weak, and he kind of discombobulated and almost like, you know, the the little brother. I mean, he he really portrayed that, and Trump crushed him in the debates, and I think that perpetuated him forward in the beginning, and True. as he started to gain steam – it's kind of hard to stop that train. You now, then Cruz steps up, and Cruz is the next behind him after Bush uh, dropped out. And Kasich's just in the background. and All those earlier debates, he got very little airtime. And what he was saying was substantial, not, you know, horrible and abrasive, but people were responding to Trump for that you know, that abrasion. They're looking for a strong leader. And unfortunately that translated against Bush being weak as, hey, this guy's strong, this guy is a businessman, he can do this. And that kind of cemented it in their minds. And once you get the voters, the cemented voters in, it's hard to pull those out. Now you can sway the ones who are undecided or who may have a second choice, but this is why you're seeing Trump be able to say and do anything. And these people are still behind him with pitchforks and torches because they're cemented in from the beginning
0: is the only thing that derails trump like this last couple debates where people make him look foolish and weak is that the only thing that'll get his supporters to go well this guy is a sissy and i didn't think he was like the Ted Cruz shut him down is this the thing that's turning people against him is is he unseen as weak or a loser
4: Um, I think him, yeah, I think him losing states and knowing that, hey, wait a second, I'm not going to just throw my vote to Trump because I think he's going to be the winner. People are actually getting a little more thoughtful about it and going, wait, Cruz has a chance. Rubio has a chance. Kasich is still fighting like a madman. I have so much respect for that man. He is still fighting and he's going to continue to fight until he gets up to where his states are, you know, up towards Ohio. And he knows that he can get some delegates and gain some steam that way. And all of this, not that I'm a big Rubio or Cruz fan, but all of it pulls away from Trump and cements more and more and my mind of contested, if not brokered convention, being an imminent result in this primary.
0: Dwayne, um, if Trump is a winner and he can win and he's always winning, however, he does drag the Constitution through a sewer to get to the finish line, is that where he loses you? What will it actually take for you not to vote for Trump? That would be that would be it.
2: If he continues with the anti-Constitution pop, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm going to write executive orders, which you know me, and I hate executive orders.
0: If he does that,
2: then he's lost. He's so where does the Wayne Badger
0: go, then? Where does his vote go? Do you stay home, or do you vermin have Vermin Supreme.
2: And the only issue I have with Vermin is I want a mule instead of a pony. Mules are more uh, – they use mules for more things. They're easier to take care of. They're more hardy than than a pony. So that's the only thing I ask. If I could trade my pony for a mule, he's
0: got my vote. You know, I think that's fair and the most moderate thing you've ever said on this show. Good job, sir. (laughs) Nice. Thank you. Jim, is this truly a campaign of strength, especially on the Republican side? Is this all about I'm stronger, I'll drop the most bombs? Oh, uh, you don't want abortion? Well, I don't want abortion for rape victims. Ha-ha. I'm stronger than you. I'll carpet bomb 12 countries. Well, I'll carpet bomb 15. Is this only a big dick measuring contest
1: as we saw Uh, in the last debate? Almost literally. Yeah, but yeah, and I, but I think it's been firmly established. And the, the tragedy of it all is because I think you're right. The tragedy of it all is it's been firmly established years ago that Democrats have the biggest cranks. Oh yeah, I mean Jimmy right? Carter, I forget about it. A scientific fact, right? Jimmy, oh my God, Jimmy Carter, that guy. The guy
0: had four for a man leg. who owned a
1: peanut farm. That he has.
4: He's the, the Magnum president. president. All right, yeah.
0: <laughs> let's wrap this all up because we've only got a couple minutes left. Fern, the debates were a disgrace. Everybody is on both sides are disillusioned with the Republican debates. The RNC, what, what struck me and what takes all their legitimacy away is they have this debate. Cruz and Rubio go at Trump like mad dogs. Say he's going to be a disaster. He will destroy America. Like this isn't just like he's not the best option. This is he's the nuclear option. And then at the end they go, but if he's the nomination, we'll all vote for him. Does this take away any of their credibility when they say that, or should they dig in and double down and go, "No, we're jumping ship if Trump gets the nomination"?
4: Well, uh, every single one of them were reluctant to answer that question. Number one, you can see you could see the reluctance to commit to that. Um, even and especially Kasich, he's like, "I think I'm going to be the nominee," so I, I'll just say that right there. But you know, he wouldn't bite into any of that stuff. But they were all very reluctant and did concede. And you know what? Trump did concede, too. I mean, they, they're just trying to say, okay, they know it's, it's fractured. They know the Republican Party is broken, and they have to maintain some sort of face of unity to get these people out to vote, especially in these open caucus states so its I think it's just a safe face and a unity thing. I don't think it makes them hypocritical. I think it makes them at least look like they're trying to work you know trying to play well with each other as best they can. but you know it's it's really it's in a sad state, and it's getting worse. I think that debate really did hurt trump. I do. Especially huh. in Maine, you know, the Governor LePage endorsed Trump. I fully expected him to take that state. And while it is a, a lower delegate state, um, you know, LePage is there's a lot of hot and cold with him with people. But he got elected twice. He's a he's a two term governor. Their uh, governor terms uh, run two cycles, so he cannot be reelected. But he's abrasive, he's brash, he's outspoken, and I'm pleasantly surprised that he didn't win that state, actually. I'm I'm really surprised that I think that debate had a lot to do with it. I mean, Cruz kind of kept him in check in that debate.
0: Well, and this is ridiculous to me. Now, Jim, this is what it seems like to me. Three brothers go in for a job interview, and all three of them talk massive crap about the other two. And they're like, look, my brother, he's a crackhead, he'll steal from the company. Oh, my brother, he's a wife-beater. My brother, he's a pothead. He'll never show up to work. And then you tell, you all three of you tell the employer, well, you definitely should hire, you know, a cat source. Like you should definitely hire someone from my family line. I mean, aren't they killing the brand by going at each other and saying how horrible they all are? And then here's yeah. Kasich on the side out in the cold. Nobody's saying he's horrible. So once again, why aren't the Republicans
1: coalescing behind Kasich? Well, Kasich's pretty warm oatmeal. Plus, if you. Look at what Kasich does. Kasich's pretty evasive about what he actually really believes anyway. Um, he always has been. So it's hard to really glom onto anything that you'd go, oh, I like Kasich for this reason. Because he's real careful that you don't – I mean, to be honest, he's more evasive than Trump in many ways as far as his actual policy. So it's hard to tell with Kasich what he would do anyway. But I mean, you, you can trace what, do really what
0: he's done as governor, though. There are facts to back that up.
1: Where there's not, what oh yeah, comes. you can you can find it, but he don't want you to know about that either. He don't talk about it.
0: Right, but that's when we have to do our due diligence, as Fern always says, yeah, and, and, and do the research. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: you show me the Americans who do their due diligence, and I I'm going to show you somebody who's actually Canadian, because that's not an American trait. Well, I mean, and
0: we always say that, <laughs> no, that but that we have funny. I like that. That's we have people on this show all the time who have very intelligent things to say, and we have guests who always have intelligent things to say. So I don't know if people are as tuned out as we always like to make them, right? I mean, Dwayne, I hope our you're listeners right. Are
2: not, our listeners are not the average American. Our listeners have intelligence. And again, I said that no matter what side they're on, whether they agree with me or not,
0: of course if they agree with me, they're smarter, but they're <laughs> smarter than
2: the average American. So I love yeah. our listeners.
0: All right, we got to wrap things up here. Jim, tell everybody where they can find you and what you're working on currently.
1: Uh, you can find me at Comet Jim Bruce on Twitter. You can find me at Jim Bruce Comedy. You can all you can see me at the Pachanga Casino in June, at the beginning of June. So if you want to see me in another casino lamenting the choices I've made in life, hey.
0: <laughs> I I take it you won't be at those um Shows campaigning for Trump.
1: Um, no, I think you're right. I will not be there.
0: Nice. All righty, Jim. Thank you so much for calling in. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for having me on. You guys are awesome. All right. How are you doing, Jim? Hi, Jim. Thanks, buddy. All right, let's wrap this up because we've got Caleb on the line. We're going to do some kettle of fish, but we do have five minutes left. What did we learn from this conversation, Dwayne? You're you're always. Oh, me, me. Let me jump in here. Is, is anything swayed? Are you any less on the Trump train hearing that so many people that you respect, Mike Bushman, that's another one, who is terrified of Trump, so many people that you respect who share similar values and views with you are kind of like this guy is Stalin and waiting. Maybe not a Hitler, but he's a little bit of a Stalin. Is, is, are, are you any less of a Trump supporter than you were at the start of the show today? Like I
2: told you before, I, I, when I started out, I was the engineer at the, on the locomotive, going full steam ahead. Now I'm at the back of the caboose, being the brakeman, saying, "Okay, I still have some faith. I still have some hope. So Why? I'm still on the train, but I went from the front." What's of the, keeping you on the train? Of, again, it's the immigration. It's the jobs. It's it, the visas. His health care plan he just put out, showing the different things he wants to do. And I tend to believe him. In the fact, he is, even if he filed bankruptcy, he admitted it, he had problems, but he is willing to take chances and try to make things and try to create jobs. So I still have a small int of hope for him yet. But, again, if he's more anti-constitutional talk, then he's lost me completely. But right now I'm at the end of the caboose. I started at the it's locomotive. Now I'm on the caboose.
0: B, because of our phone capability, you don't get to chime in too much on um, the panel portion because we have so many people on the line at any particular time. Mm-hmm. However, you are the Maven Domestic. You do have your new site up and running. I do think everybody should check it out, even if you're not into cooking and gardening and stuff. The site is beautiful. You have a beautiful way of phrasing things. Let everybody know about mm-hmm. Maven Domestic in this last minute or two, please.
3: Aw, oh, well, thanks. Um, I, It's like... Pinterest plus BuzzFeed covered in glitter. That's usually what I say. I um, I'm, I'm one of the, I like to do a lot of different things. I love to cook. I love food. I like to decorate. I love glue guns. And, of course, fun with chickens. Um, so I just kind of try and take all that stuff and roll it up in a big ball and throw it at the blog and whatever sticks sticks. Um, and that's about it. So it's at com, And if you follow me on Facebook... Um, on Facebook slash Made Domestic. Um, pretty much every day I try to post either something free that you can get or something you can enter to win because I love that stuff. Um, and that's about it. All right, we got 90
0: seconds left. Dwayne, you are about to go riding. As usual, you won't be sticking around for Kettle of Fish. And because you always get the last word, whether we like it or not, I'll let you have the last word on <laughs> it. I love you guys.
4: Aww. Is, that, is yeah.
0: that the last word? Because we still have 90 seconds. And I was expecting you to go I love you guys. I love you guys. I love you guys. I love you guys. I uh, love you guys. Belly button.
2: Yeah, brand yeah. muffin.
0: Okay. You're great.
1: just going to to ask
0: you now. Okay. way before you go, give a big shout out to the fans because I think they are more important now than ever. We've got such great people calling in.
2: Thank you all, everyone. Again, we apologize if we couldn't take your call. We do have a certain time limit. We wish we could do the show for five hours. You guys are all great. Thank you for listening. All hate meals, Wayne Badger on Facebook. Send it. I like it.
0: Who the <laughs> hell was this left for five hours? <laughs> mm. Right. All right, by I the way. All, all right, who do we got coming up on Kettle um I almost said Cable of Fish. On Kettle of Fish here in 10 seconds.
3: Oh, we've got Caleb Simon. He's going to come back, a uh, super funny guy, and we're going to talk about super fun things, and it's going to be awesome. So stick around, everybody, or go listen in the archives, or check out the blog page for all the good stuff. And
0: don't um, forget, we're having a big happen. contest. We are launching on Lipson. I think I'm going to put everything together tomorrow, and we've got big prizes. Goodbye, guys. Bye-bye.
3: This week on Kettle of Fish, comedian Caleb Simon stops by to talk about kooky conspiracies and contemporary comedy. Welcome to our after
0: show. We call Kettle of Fish the no-politics Master show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debate, hate, or argument allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic like acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. All righty, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the show after the show, the talk after the talk, the 20-minute comedy money shot after the two hours of political foreplay. We've got Fern sticking around and our beautiful, lovely producer, Dee, as always. Are you guys ready to get fishy with it?
4: Mm, Yes. Absolutely. And I want to make that song my ringtone on my phone. <laughs> yeah, we should start. a this is a
0: very consumer society. We should definitely start whoring ourselves out with kettle of fish yeah. shirts and ringtones and an app. Yeah, we need a kettle of fish
1: app.
3: All right, we yeah, Well, we I, will be on. We I was gonna say we will be actually be on the Libs. We're already on the Libsyn app. Um, people can go look for kettle of fish on their Libsyn app, and we are there, and it is cool.
0: Yes, yeah. and we haven't officially launched yet, but when we launch, it's going to be amazing. D, tell us who's it's on today. going to be today.
3: amazing uh, Today, we have the super funny Caleb Simon. We had him, um, I, I can't remember who won uh, with um, Drunk yeah, because, because,
0: huh? It's a secret shame that I carry with me. I remember who won.
3: Oh, okay, so that means you lost. Um <laughs> so some of those things I couldn't quite remember because I found some really good um, hard cider that I like. So I, I tend to drink sin. a little more of things that I like. Yes. Oh, God, it's so good. And they were out last week when I went I went to go pick up a six-pack, and they were out at Walmart, and I was really upset. And that's the only place within, like, 50 miles that carries the stuff. And I was just like, man, Really? Indeed.
0: All right, welcome exactly. in here, because I want to talk about his comedy. And and as always, I always ask uh, the guests, what do you want to talk about? I'd like for people to talk about stuff here you may not otherwise hear them talk about anywhere else. So we're going to talk about the new Hulu series by Stephen King. It's what is it the eleven, eleven, eleven twenty two sixty
3: three.
0: Okay, and we're yeah, going to yeah. talk about the new OJ show and the developments in the OJ um, case as well. Caleb, are you with us? I'm with you. Nice. Thank you so much for calling in today. A couple weeks ago, you beat me in drunken Seinfeld trivia. You squeaked That's out a right in the um, lightning round. How does it feel to be a Friday night drunken trivia champ, and how has it changed your life?
1: I, I was trivia, uh, <laughs> and I was really good at the drunk, so I feel uh, victorious and hungover still.
0: That's right. That I as a, as the host, and I know Dee feels the same way as the quizmaster. We could ask for nothing more than for you to still be Thanks. hungover from that episode two weeks ago. That is amazing. All right. So I didn't get to talk about this with you on the trivia show. We don't really do much of an interview back and forth, Caleb. But I did right. want to talk to you about your appearance on Conan O'Brien. What is that yeah, experience yeah. like? Because I I got to imagine one on one, he's an opposing figure, right?
1: It's for sure. He's uh, he's taller than you think he's because you've just seen him on TV. He's like six six, and uh, he's got his hair is even bigger.
0: We're kind of losing you, Caleb. Oh, I thought that was me. No, Caleb. Cutting out. Did we lose him?
3: Oh, God, I hope not.
0: Okay. Can you hear me now? And we can't disconnect them, or we can't get him back. No. And we lost Kayla. And
3: we're gone.
0: This is a kettle of fish. Bur- we have lost him. Um, because we're in overtime, we can't call him back. He can't call back in. A big apology to the fans. It seems like we're having phone issues today that we had gotten the kinks worked out um, okay I, I guess we'll end it there next week who do we have coming on kettle of fish next week
3: oh gosh I I, I don't know <laughs> no. uh, next week on kettle of fish we have got uh, comedian Heidi Hieslett, or actress she will be back and uh, we will talk to her lovely self so that will be
0: cool righty, guys Thank you for tuning in to Kettle of Fish. I doubt I'll even put this archive episode up. So really, in actuality, no one's going to hear it. I can do whatever I want. No one's ever going (laughs) to hear it. All right, guys. See you later. Bye.